Hello and welcome to episode 238 of the Rand Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. That was a long pause, Jason. That's usually not... I assumed you were going to edit that lucky. out, but I guess now people are going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but, you know, we... It, well, now I have to edit it in. Yeah, now I have to, <laughs> I have edit to it leave in. it in. <laughs> and we have a third person here who has yet to speak. Uh, and I'm Gomi. Oh, name change. All right. Well, anyway, how's everyone doing? Ooh, I hope uh, the mic was able to pick that up. I just opened up a, a sugar-free monster. Did not hear a thing. The power of your uh, noise filter, whatever it's called. RTX voice, Yeah, baby. welcome to... There it is. <laughs> yeah, seriously, welcome to season... Um, I guess this would be... 23? Every 10 episodes is a season. Oh. Um, I, I, decided, I, I decided that right now. Oh, okay. So that so translating, that means we're somewhere around episode 230. Coincidentally, 238. Or not coincidentally, but specifically. Um... <laughs> Wow. This is a rough yeah. intro. I'm just gonna say, it. I'm just gonna jump in. You know what? I'm proud of this episode's title. Hey, now you're an all star. It's of course in honor of uh, Super Mario 3D All Stars, as we're gonna be you know, talking. Yeah, don't about. they say get your game on right after? Which is yeah, even better. Do. Yeah, in in these in these circles, go play. That is another thing we do. We play games. When you what said, we're saying, uh, don't they say get your game on? I was thinking of the uh, Yu Gi Oh. GX, <laughs> GX. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that would make this really confusing if you were thinking of Yu-Gi-Oh instead of Smash Mouth. Um, but yeah, we're we're calling this episode that because we've got uh, you know we got Mark 3D All Stars out now, so we're gonna be looking back at Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy through this kind of new All Star lens and really seeing how they hold up after all these years, especially against one another. And then Angel, I know you went even older than that with Donkey Kong Country Two and. Uh, Mario Super Picross and stuff like that, which are now part of the Switch Online li- library. So we're having impressions of those as well. But there is some new stuff to this episode. Uh, on the news front, Nintendo's actually been keeping pretty busy with the uh, third partner showcase featuring not one but two Monster Hunters. Uh, and there's the shadow drop of new Kirby Fighters or a new push for Animal Crossing New Horizons. So we're going to talk about all that plus a bit of a 3DS memorial service at the end of the show in light of uh, that guy is now officially discontinued. The run of the 3DS is over. So, uh, yeah, all those things, timestamps are on Nintendo.com, uh, or better yet, just, like, stay on for the full ride if you just want to, like, hear it all through, and, uh, I think we're gonna jump right in, ha ha ha, Mario, uh, uh with what we've been playing, which is, uh, Mario, the 3D Mario All-Stars compilation, which, um, I think might, I think I might actually be the only one who followed through on buying it, right? Like, when we... Yeah, I think we were all down for buying it beforehand, or before it came out, and then... Now we're here. Yeah, because when we talked about it last episode, That's my story. a great story. It had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, but when we talked about it last episode, you know, after the direct, uh, the anniversary direct, we had basically all of us at different levels of like very interested to begrudgingly gonna buy it. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I guess you guys dropped off. So what happened? Why'd you Why'd you back out of uh, buying it? Uh, Kevin? me, I just, I honestly didn't see the value in it. Um. Especially considering the only one that I'd probably play from beginning to end was Sunshine. And as great as... Not not Sunshine, uh, Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as great and as much as I love Galaxy, it just wasn't worth the $60. Uh, I also love Sunshine, and of course I have plenty of love for 64, but I've already played those games to death. And mm-hmm. I think Sunshine was the only one that I played once, beat the main story, and never looked back on it. So... Yeah, it, mm. it just wasn't worth the sixty dollars. And Angel, 
Yeah, I just didn't really see the value in it. The only one I would really want it for was Sunshine. I did play Mario Galaxy and 64 to death, but okay, I know I'm just paraphrasing what Kevin said. <laughs> um, <laughs> essentially, it was like it's, it's a solid. It's answer. the same. It, essentially, it's the same idea, except I kind of put more emphasis on Sunshine because while I was kind of just copying Kevin, everything is true. I did play Mario 64 and Galaxy to death. I mean, I hundred percented. Galaxy, which means you have to get 120 stars twice, once as Mario and once as Luigi. And because I kept playing Mario 64 when it came out on the Wii, when I had my chance of getting it again on the Wii U, sometimes revisiting it on the N64 itself, like I was just always able to play it. And Sunshine, I played it once in a while, because the GameCube is probably the console I revisit the least, but it's actually my most accessible older console, because mm. it's always right next to the TV, it's just not connected. Mm-hmm. So, right off the bat, even though I did want to revisit Sunshine because that's the one I've played the least of all three of them, they're all just so readily accessible that it doesn't seem worth paying 60 bucks. Like, there is convenience, but there is also, like, I can only circumvent convenience so much. I mean, yeah, I guess circumvent, um, I guess the hassle of putting a console together for so much, so long before it becomes... I think the fact that I've replayed these enough times overall, I guess, kind of overshadowed the the convenience that I would be getting from it. It just didn't seem worth it. Right, right. Because you know, yeah, I, I I'd be I wouldn't be buying it for the games. I'd be buying it for the fact that it's a 35th anniversary collectible, mm-hmm. and for and as a 35th anniversary collectible, I don't really see it as something worth getting. Um, the 25th anniversary one for the Wii I barely saw some value in that one as a collectible but I still didn't even get it and just looking at those two from what they offered and like just up like up front like the Wii one came with a really nice looking case that it came with a those cardboard cover on top of the plastic typical box art mm-hmm. you even got a little booklet I mean it was bare bones but you had a booklet that gave you some history or gave you some kind of something and the disc was nice, even though it was literally just like a copy-paste, like, ROM of the Super Nintendo game. Not even the full one. Right. The original, not feels the like, release, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, when you go to the game, like, it boots up the Super Nintendo one. Like, it even still has the Super Nintendo controllers when it tells you how to play. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's that unabashedly, unapologetically simple of a port that they did. Mm-hmm. This one... Um, not debatably, but I mean, they did they did put some effort into it, mm-hmm. but I would say it's like the minimum amount of effort, just so people can can't say that they didn't. Yeah, because the stuff they fixed, I feel like, yeah, it's it's like something that I would go like, oh, that's neat, but if Super Mario sixty four is still gonna look the way it does, mm-hmm. I don't really think it mattered that the M is now sharper or that the Boo houses images are now like crisper, like that's not gonna make the game better. It's just yeah, it it's kind of like a Olimar's helmet cracks in Smash Brothers kind of detail. Like it's cool when the whole package is already full of these great little details that it's just one of those extra things you could point out. But because there really isn't a lot of those, in fact, there's like a if we're going into that level of detail, there's a bunch of that level of issues, new issues that are in the game yeah. that kind of make it feel like it almost cancels out. Like apparently, like just like some new visual issues in Sunshine just kind of make the game feel sloppy 
coming from Nintendo specifically, because usually their games are really, really polished. Like when you find bugs in those games, you usually have to go out of your way to do these bugs. And that's mainly like Sunshine and on. I mean, Mario 64 thrives on bugs and the ones that debate arguably make the game more fun for speedrunners are revisiting the game. Like the reverse long jump glitch, like that got removed because it's based on another version of Mario 64. Mm-hmm. The Rumble Pack but, version, yeah. But because there's no like history mode, there's no booklet, there's no anything, it's just those three games. Like And 170 songs game. that you can only play yeah, on which, the Switch for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and because I don't know why Nintendo doesn't release their songs on some kind of streaming service for purchase. I mean, since I own these games, then I've, I mean, I've had all these songs already downloaded. And I mean, they're also, all the ones you would want to listen to are also in Smash Bros. Ultimate. It's kind of funny how Smash Ultimate, or even like the last couple of Smash Bros. games, I sometimes feel are a better celebration of Mario's anniversary than even the Mario anniversary game itself. There's probably more like history nuggets of information and brawl than there is in all of the Smash 64 collection or the Smash 3D collection. <laughs> there's certainly some Just from the trophy cuts. info. Yeah, there's certainly some deeper cuts they reference, even in items and little level nips and tucks. And yeah, yeah, all the descriptions. Like, So, I don't know. It it just comes across as feeling like, here you go, just take it. I mean, all these three games are great, but I feel like if you already played all three games as much as like I have, you probably won't have a reason to get it. Even with nostalgia, like, I mean, I'm definitely, I, I don't know, I don't, I find it kind of weird that there's still sometimes that I didn't buy it, but I don't know, every day that goes on just kind of feels like more of the correct choice. It Like, why support that? If I don't need it, it's fine. But for someone that has never played it before, like a friend Nigel, I think this is, like, awesome because these three games are really great to play for the first time. It is really. Mario 64. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that, that game might be weird. To go through the first time, I could definitely see some areas feeling very janky and dated and maybe not as fun for someone that doesn't know what's coming or can be like, oh, this is how it was. But, you you know, we got through it as kids. Um, at least, like, going through Sunshine and especially Galaxy for the first time will definitely be really great for them. But, you know, I could just plug in the Wii U and literally experience two of those games on that console. Mm-hmm. And Sunshine is, like, right there. So even the widescreen or the crisper resolution didn't isn't much of a selling point, at least for me. Yeah, it, it seems like it was for a couple people as well. But yeah, it is interesting how um, like cause there are a couple things you said there that sort of caught my attention. One is your point about how bare bones it is. It is weird. Like as someone that actually owns it, so I've seen how bare bones it is. It is weird how it is and also at times isn't as bare bones as you would think like you know you mentioned there's only three games in music player yeah that's definitely bare bones and then there's some weird choices like you know they didn't bother to re-record flood's voiceover at the star mario sunshine to include the name of the buttons so like in the gamecube you press the r button or whatever and this one you press the zr button so all they do is they have him talking and he's like you can press the button to shoot water and it says on screen but they like didn't replace the voice acting they just had him they just muted him for a second which is odd and very like kind of un nintendo but at the same time like they did some stuff that i was playing i'm like why did they this feels like more effort than it was worth like why recreate the entirety of mario sunshine's ui in hd instead of just like up it like it's almost jarring compared to the rest of the game and how much crisper it looks or like you know mario galaxy they kept the uh, motion controls they also had button controls. There's no need necessarily for them to do touchscreen support for collecting star bits, but they did it anyway. And then, like, at the same time, they did stuff like they changed uh, the aiming for Flood in Mario Sunshine. It's not inverse anymore. Now up is up and down is down. 
which I've got to be honest with you, was incredibly confusing to my muscle memory at that first. That sounds horrible. It, well, the problem is it feels like Splatoon now. So, like, my muscle memory – because, like, Splatoon, it's up and down, right? So my muscle memory was mm, you playing it like Splatoon style. It? If you do it with gyro, I think it is, isn't it? So with – basically what's happening – I mean, with gyro, I mean, it's gyro. So but basically what's happening but... is, like, the way I play Splatoon is I do a mix of the stick and gyro. Like, I have gyro turned on, but I kind of do half and half. And I was trying to do that with Mario – sunshine for like 30 minutes and i just like like i knew it wasn't right but i kept trying to do it because nintendo's basically done the flood mechanic in a modern way with mario uh with splatoon and then they had the flood mechanic as it was and then this one's kind of like a weird half and half of the two so i was just like what my brain like could not wrap around it but it's kind of those things like okay so they uninverted the controls fine whatever i get that the some of the motifs of how controls used to be in the early 2000s or even like lakitu represents the camera in 64 so like it moves like a separate entity not just like a camera like i get that but if you're going to the effort of adding the changes why not put a toggle to revert the changes like so even when they're doing things that are a little less bare bones the implementation of the things they're doing are somehow still the most bare bones version of it you know what i mean so it's really it's a really weird package for that reason um because, like, you know, beyond all the brouhaha about, like, the just the games themselves and is, is widescreen enough or is upresing this and not that, like, that's an impactful change, the, the inverse. And it's very weird that they did it without giving the option to undo it. Like, it's not that hard to just flip it back. They had to code it out of it anyway. You know what I mean? Like, they had to code out of that box. Why not just let the box also be an option? So it's it's weird. But, um, yeah, to your point, it's definitely – if you've played these before and you have access to them, there isn't as much of a draw for getting it, I think. Um, I do actually have access to all of them. They're still all plugged into my TV. I was actually playing the original yeah, Mario Party on you're like, if Nintendo says jump, you'll say how Correct, high, so. correct. So with that in mind, the thing is, ignoring the value proposition of the, of the collection, I think – at the end of the day, you are still getting three great Mario games. Whether you feel the need to buy them again or not, eh, take it or leave it. But, like, there are three really good games in here. Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, Mario Galaxy. So ignoring what Nintendo did, I think what's kind of interesting is we now have all three of these games back in the spotlight, back as new releases, quote-unquote. And yet one from 1996, one from 2002, one from 2007 – and, you know, they age differently. So I'm kind of curious, like, as you guys look at them, and Andrew, I feel like you sort of touched on this, like Mario 64. For six more years. months, but yeah. What? For six more months, but yeah. Yeah, for six more months, yeah. But they're in the spotlight for the holiday season. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, what? first of all, what's your guys' favorite among those? And do you think the aging actually, like, changed your perception? Like, for example, you know, maybe Sunshine was your favorite, and then Galaxy just blew it away because it's just better. Like, what, where you guys kind of rank them or stand on them? In reverse order. So Galaxy Sunshine they, 64? They got better as each one came out. Right, so Galaxy Sunshine 64. It's typically how I feel about most of the Mario games. No, no, you got you got it wrong, Jason. He said hmm? they get better as, as you go forward. You right, so I'm right. saying his number one is Galaxy, his number two would be Sunshine, oh, number three would be 64. I thought you were yeah, going yeah, to yeah. one. Oh, yeah, no, I, I read calendars correctly, don't worry. <laughs> um <laughs> What about you, Kevin? Like, I'd probably is say Galaxy yours? the same? So you know what's kind of funny is when or, I before know, I it'd bought be, it'd this, be, it'd be like hmm. a it'd be like a like a coin toss between Sunshine and Galaxy, just because like I said, I have played, I I did play Sunshine to death back back on the GameCube, but I don't know Gal Galaxy just has that whimsy that not a lot of video games yes. have. 
nowadays. Yeah, no, Except I agree. For, like, um, Odyssey. Yeah, but I feel like Galaxy, it, Galaxy and Galaxy Two always felt like when I'm playing it, you're just kind of getting like, I think I said this word again, but I'm just gonna say it again, like unapologetic fun, just pure simple gaming bliss fun. You're just worried, you're just focused on the platforming, like, and because of that, everything is super tight, everything is polished, everything is, I feel just fine tuned to be, just the right kind of difficulty for it to be, not overly easy, but. I mean, the game overall, I would say, is still kind of easy, but it's not so easy that it gets boring. It's just hard enough or easy enough that it's just really fun to run through and get through even as fast or as slow as you want. Mm -hmm. And Galaxy, I mean, in Sunshine, I feel as fun as some levels are. There are a few that kind of feel like a drag to get through, and then there's like a bunch of highs and lows in that game. I um, It's kind of balanced out, but... Yeah, like the King Boo boss, I'm not really a fan of just because that one is just kind of luck-based. It's just the waiting until the lottery works out. Right. And there's other kind of just more random stuff like that where you just kind of have to wait. But besides that, also the Bowser battle was just super anticlimactic compared to even 64 and Galaxy. But they're both so great. I, I think Sunshine was definitely... Overall, the game is much harder to get through than Galaxy is, at least until the very end when you unlock yeah, the harder Yeah, Sunshine's physics. <laughs> There's something sometimes. But that's why they gave you Flood. Yep, yep. So you could... Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think um, you know, it's kind of interesting because you guys are talking about, like, when you played them in the past, like, oh, I played Sunshine a lot back in the day, or I, you know, played 64 way back when, and it's now, like, the accessibility is different. Like, I think it's interesting what, like, stands out to me with this collection, having all three of them and switching between them and not, like, going chronologically or anything is like it's really interesting to look at the way that like the 3d marios evolved versus how like the 2d ones did like if you look at 3d all-stars collection and like the original 2d all-stars collection that's probably like the biggest difference between them is like with the 2d marios the games didn't really like change i mean I, they changed but like the variation between mario 2 having you throw turnips and mario 3 having an overall map and mario world introducing yoshi like those are kind of superfluous on top of the fact that at the end of the day what you have is the exact same type of gameplay you can play mario 3 go back to mario 1 and not necessarily find mario 1 to be inferior in terms of playability it's just simpler you know what i mean like they added stuff but the playability like the screen doesn't scroll differently in mario 3 versus mario 1 versus mario 2 it's all kind of like you're playing a side scroll and, it's, and it works but with the 3d marios if you skip back and forth between them i found kind of interesting this is something that i guess i only really got to experience because i am playing them in tandem is you can clearly see how one basically laid the foundation for the next like one trying something one way only to like have a later game sort of course correct or improve on it in such a big way that actually makes the predecessor now feel inferior like angel you're saying pretty much your hierarchy is the newest to the oldest because each one built on the last one and like i love mario 64 it's one of my top games ever and i'm having a lot of fun going back to it but playing it right after sunshine or galaxy absolutely shows its age in a way i didn't expect like here's a game that at the time had this revolutionary camera character you're moving in 3d space you got that little lack of two guy filming you you can manipulate the camera in these sort of like lurched directions that you know were originally for the n64c buttons which is why they're kind of in like chunks and not smooth but you know the camera can snag on things it can get it can obstruct uh it can be obstructed by stuff in the foreground um it doesn't necessarily default to the right perspectives and that can actually change how you play and how you go through a level 
And then, you know, Sunshine comes in and it improves it a little. It now has, like, control by a stick that's actually free-moving, and it doesn't get blocked in the same ways. But then you go to Galaxy, and they're just like, well, what if we don't even do that? Let's remove the camera issue entirely and have these planetoid things that, you know, kind of avoid the issue or, you know, going even beyond the collection. 3D Land and World had fixed perspectives. Odyssey went back to the free-motion camera, but it's so much smoother by comparison. And when you think, like, oh, what's my favorite Mario game? What's the best Mario game? You don't really think about the fact that, like, there is a rose colored glasses of sorts to it where like it when you go back what happens is it makes 64's camera just not feel good even though at the time it was very good and this i think is distinctly a problem with how 3D games evolved to meet new technologies over 2D games or at least the Mario's where like yeah they could get prettier and that yeah you could put like uh, artificial layers of new gameplay but like ultimately outside of graphics nothing really changed in those games but these like you actually see the like the trials and tribulations and that's really interesting compared to any other compilation i've played that comes to mind like maybe the best way to like make my point is um when nintendo poured all the 2d marios to game boy advance you know the mario advance line they didn't change a single thing with the gameplay they just added a multiplayer mode or e-reader card support for like the mario 3 or whatever but the core games were identical Yet the one time they did this with a 3D game, Mario 64 DS, they changed it a ton. And I think that kind of speaks to what I'm saying where um, if you like go look at Mario 64 right now after you play Galaxy Sunshine, 3D World, 3D Land, Odyssey, the game that seemed perfect in 1996 actually is showing its age. And that's very strange in a way because I never really expected it to be that jarring, but there it is. It's still very fun. I still really like it, but you can definitely like sense it. That's not... Like technology has improved since then. The camera systems have improved. It, it's very, it's very strange in a weird way. I mean, honestly, as a new release in a generation where a lot of people were not even born before Mario Galaxy came out, yeah, I think it's great that all three are out so they could actually experience them like mm-hmm. a time capsule. Mm-hmm. I think it's great for. I mean, just so many new Nintendo fans, and it's crazy to think that Galaxy came out in, I don't even know, two thousand seven. Yeah, two thousand seven. So. Yeah, that's like 13 years ago. Yeah. I mean, for a 10-year-old to be playing those three games back-to-back for the first time, that's pretty crazy. It's super and awesome. cool. And yeah. Because and- one of us got to play those games like when we were maybe eight or nine, and we still had to wait, like, who knows how long for Sunshine, and then who knows how long for Galaxy. Yep. But they get all three back-to-back, and then they get to play Galaxy 2 somehow, maybe, and then And Odyssey, Odyssey and, like, 3D World in a couple months. Yeah, they have it really good right I now. Mean, it, I mean, it kind of goes backwards in Odyssey, but, you know, they still get to play it, which is <laughs> yeah. awesome. But, no, but yeah. it, it, and the thing about Galaxy that's really funny is playing it in HD, like, this game, like, I don't know if it must be the art direction, it must be some of the choices they made with the game design, but, like, it easily could be a game release today. Like, the other two, you can see their age. Galaxy feels modern. Like, this really does feel like a game that could come out in 2020, even though it's from 2007. So, mm-hmm. so the other ones maybe, you know, show their age. But the, but Galaxy in particular holds up really well. Um, but to be, to be fair, uh, to contradict myself a bit, I actually do kind of like the time capsule nature of the collection. Like, I think this is partly what I'm actually loving most about Mario Sunshine is that it's such a timepiece, the good and the bad. I mean, the, the game just feels... 
very of its era. It's such a like vision of how 2002 thought next gen gaming had to be. I mean, obviously it still falls in some direct footsteps of Mario 64, but grander. So, you know, you're jumping into graffiti M's instead of paintings, Peach's castles. Now this entire town on Isle Delfino, not just like a little empty castle instead of Bowser being the only enemy. There's now a second smaller Bowser and he thinks Peach's is mom weirdly um but like even the the levels are you know let's say about double the size of 64s and and some concepts from 64 like the sliding levels um they kind of flip those on their head by now it's like oh you're on a roller coaster and it's also a boss battle so everything like has just a general it's a sequel it's going to be grander vibe to it but at the same time like i was saying there are so many plays towards oh this is what next gen is this is how gaming becomes more real this is what 2002 thinks gaming has to be like they can't just have a collection of random worlds for no rhyme or reason. Every level has a shared theme of being on the island. And you don't just have a quick one-and-done story. You now have actual cutscenes in Max, And, you know, everyone loved the towns in Ocarina of Time. So now you've got to make the hub world of Mario Sunshine like that too, where there's islanders to talk to as you go around and they're going about their day. And some of them have little mini games if you enter their respective businesses or homes or whatever. And even like the way Flood calls out to Mario with his little Mario is very like, you know, they did 64. They saw how Ocarina of Time was treated and they're like okay we need something like navi we need something that talks to the player and i think just like generally speaking the game like sunshine just feels way more grounded and less whimsical than other marios like granted they shoved in the whimsy in other ways i mean the the piantas that live on the island are literally just colorful blobs with funny voices um actually all the voices in the game are kind of silly like toadsworth soundbite is literally just (laughs) like every time you talk to him he just goes blah blah and like this like obviously tongue-in-cheek sort of thing but then they um you know they have the floodless levels right uh with no theming whatsoever they're just kind of platforming challenges made out of plywood i guess and and even when they do winks and nods to 2d mario concepts like specific enemies or having chain link walls for mario to climb which you know are in the old mario games they're also are brought in now with a sense of realism in sunshine like the chain links are actually part of the cranes at the port they're not just random chain links for you to climb and for sunshine i think it works like i'm enjoying it a lot the game's cohesive it's a fun different setting and even though like sometimes it has weird pretty unforgiving physics like we were saying the, the versatility that flood provides keeps the platforming satisfying as long as the camera's not on your way as long as the slippery controls don't mess you up but for the most part it's a fun game it's just definitely on some sort of like parallel track or like alternate dimension of the mario series than when they sort of whipped back into the whimsy of galaxy and 3d world and land and more recently odyssey all of which got rid of basically all the things i just said like it doesn't have a grounded sense of reality. It doesn't. They're just kind of like, we want to do this crazy thing. We're going to do it. And now that crazy thing and we're going to do it. And Mario Sunshine was very much like, nah, we need to be true to what like real life is because that's what next-gen gaming is. So it's very interesting how it's just sort of this isolated island of a Mario experience compared to everything before and after it, which I'm enjoying. Um, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not – I'm pretty confident that I – would also be enjoying this game if I had actually bought on it, but right, know, we our time on Earth is limited. We have to make use of we have to make the best of our time. I mean, that, I think well, if, to, I'm gonna, sure. if, yeah, if I'm going to for sure, yeah, that that got dark. <laughs> I don't know about dark, but you know, like obviously, everyone wants to try new experiences. Who doesn't? They're always fun. But mm-hmm. if but we all know that we're all guilty of this. We're always going to be like replaying games that. We've beaten many, many times before. And if you're going to replay a game, I guess you have to really make sure it's one that I feel 
access to just isn't as ready, which, you know, as we've addressed this kind right. of the main problem with this, which is why I, I was also really excited about the next game that we'll get to in a bit after I'm sure Jason still has more to say about. Oh, I, I just have one more thing. I, yeah, I just have one more thing to say because like we're the, talking about 3D All-Stars. You know yeah. where I'm going with this? Yeah, he, the he's pins. A good, he's like the, the energizer battery. Pins. Those, what? 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 What did you say about Barry? <laughs> Would you call me? No, I thought, that you're like the, <laughs> I thought that you're like the energizer bunny. Oh, yeah, when it comes to some stuff. No, but I, if we're going to talk about Nintendo's, like, if we're going to talk about our finite time on Earth and Nintendo's minimal efforts and what we have to put ourselves through, either by choice or by not, this one was not by cho- I guess it was by choice, but those anniversary pins. So as you guys know, I think, um, if you do the My Nintendo missions, that include buying 3D All-Stars, you get a set of five, I think, yeah, five Mario pins for the 35th anniversary. There'll be another set down the line, a second wave as they're calling it which i think is probably gonna be timed with uh 3d world and bowser's fury and buying that but right now you get these pins and one thing you have to do is buy the game and when you do that you go to the my nintendo page you click a little button it says cool here's your promo code go enter it get your pin now theoretically that should be all it takes right like they did this a decade ago with um the 25th anniversary pin set and literally that's all it took you click a button you get your pin but Seems because fair. Nintendo's so bare bones with things, they didn't like think through how this would work. They're just like, yeah, so we're going to give you a promo code. Now you take that promo code and you go to store.nintendo.com. You then enter the promo code. But at that point, we're not going to do free shipping anymore because we're cheap, I guess. So we're going to charge you $5 for your free pins to be shipped. So we now need a credit card from you. So we'll take that credit card. And then you'll have an order confirmation as if you're buying a real item. We'll just give you a promo code that voids the cost of the item. That's reasonable. What they didn't oh, anticipate that's weird. is a little, right? Yeah. But it's kind of reasonable. If they're like, all right, yeah. you go to the store and you just do it for free. Yeah. yeah. But what they didn't anticipate is in the same way that every other gaming release of September 2020 is breaking the internet, you know, just like the PS5 did, just like Xbox did with Series X and S, just like uh, the, the NVIDIA cards. card did. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Nintendo well. site crashed. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I'd go through that. I kind of can relate now, though, with a $5 set of pins. That should what? be free. Because, no, the site, like, it's bad. Like, their site didn't work. They had this weird hoop you had to jump through where you first get the promo code, then you go to the payment page. But you can get to the missions to get your promo code and be told the codes have run out. Meanwhile, those of us who got the codes in, the, like, four-hour window that they let them be claimable um, – couldn't actually do it the site would crash the credit cards wouldn't process i went through three different credit cards none of them worked i ended up no. calling nintendo twice about it it's all silly because it's free well, pins but it's just on nintendo. principle like twice all right Karen. wow 1-800-255-3700 all right that's Karen. the number <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't even call to complain i just called to ask if i'm good because what happened was so I put in the order. Did you have to speak to my... Reggie? Yeah, like I don't care if he's not the president of Nintendo anymore. I want to speak to I him I just right want to now. talk to Reggie. Let me speak to it. No, I asked for uh, Bowser. Reggie. No, I – to be clear, I, I wasn't complaining to them. I was just confirming what – right? I was just I confirming what – yeah, yeah, it's your go-to. But no, I was just calling to confirm what was happening because I was told my order wasn't processed because I had no credit card. Like it said the payment didn't work, which three different cards. It's definitely not me. It's them unless I'm secretly bankrupt and don't know. Um but then when I called, then when I went to my order history, there was an order there, but the order had no payment attached, meaning it's not going to go through. So I called them just to be like, hey, am I good? Are you guys going to email me for payment or anything? 
for the shipping for the free pins. And they said, oh, no, no, no. The first they said, oh, no, no, no. You have to do it again until you get the payment to work. So then I did it again. But this time, because I had the order in my history, the code stopped working. So I called them back and I was like, hey, um, so this is all happening. And then the guy's like, oh, as long as you have a promo code, don't worry about it. They're not shipping till late October. We'll figure it out. We'll be back. We'll get some information out there shortly. Uh, this oh, was boy. five I or mean, six days ago. Gee, the, the, <laughs> the, the, these pins sound really, really important for you to own. I mean, what are you going to do with these? Like, like, what, like what exactly are you going to do with these that it's so I'm important put them in that a you make sure you get them? I'm going I'm to put them in a drawer. I'm going to pat them on the head like they're a little puppy or something, put them in a drawer, and then never look at them again. But it's knowing I have them in that drawer. You know what that really is? That is, is all that matters. It's, yeah. No, you know what it really is? It's um, what's it called when like you invest so much time in something that I just have to see it through? Not like a time sink fallacy or something, but kind of like that. Like it's like I put in so much effort to buy these things and the site went down and I do have a promo code, which if you have a code, they have now confirmed, to, at least to me on the phone, you're guaranteed pins at some point. So at, like, at, I was what, kinda, like, at what point did you realize? It was um, a lost, lost cause? Yeah. The second it didn't work the first time. But then I was already that far in because I had the promo code. And I'm looking on Twitter and everyone's like, I didn't even get a promo code. I'm like, no. If these people wanted to get it and couldn't, I at least should see through that my promo code is used. Because <laughs> it's, it's always worse knowing that like, oh, there's just a code out there that was never redeemed. So at least like the people that got the codes can get the pins. So I'm on a mission now to get my pins. And I don't know when it's going to happen. And um, – yeah, well, definitely keep us posted. Cause... I will absolutely keep you posted. Stay tuned to my Twitter at JSR7 for the latest breaking news on my pin endeavor. Uh, no, but it's like yeah, we will it's put one a of pin on this. That, like, but it, the only thing I'm gonna say is the point about like the minimal effort on Nintendo's part. Like, there's zero reason these pins have to be this limited. There's zero reason they had to you know make you jump through these hoops and not pay for shipping when they have in the past, and thus you have to put your card in. There's zero reason like from a consumer perspective, this couldn't just be a pre-order item with the game that they ship with the game like because they were trying to do so minimal to make this a promotion much like with the collection itself you know the the, the crack show like it, it it's exposing the the flaws in the system so pins aside though pins aside and 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 downsides of the 3d all-star collection aside those games are a really fun time um and i like it you know if you have access to them other ways maybe you don't need it but like it is kind of cool to have them all on the go on my switch i could play it on the couch I could play it on tv pretty great yeah, but but that, i could see that yeah 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 but that wasn't the uh yeah but that wasn't, that wasn't I'm only, how, how many times are you gonna keep repeating your... i don't know i thought we just slipped into some endless cycle of like jay leno impressions or something but um jay leno yeah that wasn't he, yeah he, 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 he everyone that mocks jay leno always does it. like yeah yeah i don't know like that's sort of what he does huh. i have to um, watch some clips of jay leno yeah I'll get he back does to a little head bob with QC. it too sounds good sounds good yeah. or for up to the minute updates on your Jay Leno endeavors, follow him on Twitter at W E I R O underscore. But no, uh, that wasn't the only retro throwback. So I was going to start saying like Mario 3D All Stars definitely got the most attention. But this past Tuesday, Nintendo also updated the Switch Online library of free NES and Super Nintendo games to include four new games. On the NES side was an action platformer by Natsume that I've never even heard of as a Super 80s name of Scat Special Cybernetic Attack Team. Which I I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but it was new to me. Uh -huh. Kind of um, like the best thing ever. But... It sounds like straight up like, like uh, the worst thing ever. RoboCop. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going based <laughs> but, on what the uh, acronym actually stands for, not just the scat part. But... Yeah, no scat doesn't sound that great, but yeah, the cyberkinetic action attack team, special cyberkinetic attack team. But then, uh, so that was one game that came out. But then on the Super Nintendo side, 
Uh, we got a beat-em-up called the Peacekeepers, whatever. But then we got the first ever U.S. release of Mario Super Pacross. And I feel like that Angel. makes it sound more special than it is, but obviously... Well, it is the first ever people, U.S. release. It's a, all they care piece, about piece. is just the fact that DKC2 is finally on Switch. Yeah, so for those who don't know, that's Donkey Kong Country 2, but Angel's so hip, he just shortens it. Uh, Diddy Kong's Quest. How how is? I mean, Angel, you've been counting down for... Or not counting down, because you didn't know it was coming, but you've been wanting this since... I mean, as I launched. said, like our time in this world is limited, so I ain't got time to say... Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest. I mean, I just did, but that in was fact, the waste of all our time. In fact, the time it takes us to discuss I'm wasting more time going over this, so but how clear, is it, like, clearly is it how I spend want? my remaining time in this world is not a priority. Um, yeah, revisiting this game was definitely, it's definitely always special. The Super Nintendo, at least compared to my other consoles, is not as easily accessible. I could definitely still play it and get to Donkey Kong Country 2 and play on my Super Nintendo. But the amount of effort it would take to get that going is not worth it. It's definitely at the point where getting it digitally and having it accessible through another console would be ideal, which is, I mean, I've been playing the game on and off this year on the 3DS. and But, you know, it, I want to play it on a TV. And I've just been waiting patiently. Maybe not patiently, but I've been waiting. And... You know, we finally got it, and even though I have been playing it throughout the year on and off, I mean, playing on the TV it's just definitely feels like a different experience. I mean, even though the resolution was still really nice on the 3DS, just seeing it on a big screen, kind of how you remember, because obviously we played it on one of those old, like, tube TVs, so it's not like we had a nice, I had a nice, like, 40-inch 40, 40 TV back then. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just listening to the music, playing through the levels, like, Everything about it so far has either felt just how remembered or better. Because I feel like I'm just enjoying the dialogue a lot more. Um, just enjoying the, even like the placement of the enemies or even just the enemy designs. Maybe just because because of how much I love part one. Part Everything about part two just felt like a better version of it. It was just kind of like going from... Uh, I don't want to say Galaxy 1 and Galaxy 2. Because I do like Galaxy 2 more. But... A lot of the things that I get to does also just kind of feel different, but I will say overall, I mean, I guess it did do some things better. Like, as nice as the observatory was, I think having a stage select screen was just more convenient because, you know, just get into the game. There wasn't yeah. really, unless they gave us something to do in the observatory besides the stories from Rosalina, which was nice, but that was just like the same area. Like, it didn't require any exploring or any sense of discovery. It was just go to level to level. It was just, it, it felt padding. It, it felt very padded. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike Peach's Castle, which actually did have like secret rooms and other stars that you could only get from randomly exploring the castle. Like that was actually cool. But I digress. Part 2 has way more <laughs> secrets. There's way more verticality in this game. They made much better use of the two Kongs that you're using at the same time. Like now you could pick the other Kong up and throw them at enemies, use them to get to higher obstacles. Essentially, you have more incentive to do your best not to die because once you're stuck with one Kong, your ability to like navigate through a level becomes extremely limited. And the game is also just much harder. Like It definitely feels like it just picked up in difficulty from where the other game left off. Like It definitely has... I mean, it's not to say that it starts off impossibly hard, but it just has a much nicer curve that feels like it knows you're coming from part two. And 
Yeah, just not to mention like just the number of tracks that just feel amazing and I don't know, everything about it. Just really happy with it. But because of how happy I am with it, it also does bring I guess the fact that I can't play it anytime I want on the Switch up to the forefront. Um mm. this usually is not an issue because there hasn't been a game I cared about as much as this one on the Switch yet. But because I love Donkey Kong Country so much, I want to be able to play anytime, anywhere. And you'd think with the Switch, that'd be the one console to do it. But I can't because you have to be tethered to an internet connection at all times to play it. Which really sucks. I, I mean, I feel like we've been saying this for a long time. But now more than ever is when I wish there was at least an option. At the very least, if you have a Nintendo account, maybe make this exclusive to people with a Nintendo Online account to buy any one of these games and then they're just available online even if it's just that one but you know just something i feel like that should be a minimum by now considering they have done this with every console since the wii like in the past like i mean donkey country 2 is literally on the 3ds with this service like come on like what the heck it almost feels insulting at this point but yeah. Yeah, it seems like it seems like such an easy win too cuz like one of the things um we were talking QC a little last episode weirdly about Nintendo talk we mentioned at that big shareholder meeting and a question that came up was about Switch online and it turns out only like 26 million people have Switch online which on the one hand that's a big number of people but the Switch is like more than double that. So like less than half of all people that own Switches have Switch online. And as such, Nintendo's outright saying they're trying to come up with new experiences and different ways to entice people not just to join but to keep them subscribed, you know, to kind of minimize the churn of accounts, so to speak. So, you know, there's stuff like Super Mario 35 that's going to do that when it comes out on the first in a few days here. But then, like, something like what you're describing, Angel, like basically giving Switch Online owners access to, like, a private virtual console, whether it be paid to download or just maybe they just need to ping you, like, once a week or something. Like, I mean, that that's... seems like something that would help. That's definitely something that I would, I mean, yeah, that's a feature that I would push towards someone that's on the fence about getting the service because as of now, everything that's on it, it it feels like a, like a win more situation. Like nothing on the virtual console right now. I mean, on the virtual console, on the Nintendo online account, Nintendo online, whatever the system, the service is called. Um, Nothing about it or not anything that's being offered doesn't feel like something that would convince people to get it, just something that would convince people to keep it. Because, I don't know, everything is either very bite-sized or limited in some way, but if you already have the system or if you already have the service, I don't they feel convenient or just kind of nice to have, but some stuff is still annoying, like the phone service app. I mean, a lot of things were already backwards coming from the Wii U, which somehow had a better... Had a good online infrastructure yeah, had good and honest, a social yeah. network. <laughs> yeah, had a social network. Yeah. You could actually send messages, and it was free, and you could buy games. Like, yeah, I yeah. don't know how this one feels worse, and it costs money. But you know, um, it well, is I what think, it is. I think us Nintendo, like, I think what Nintendo really needs to focus on, like, more selling points would be good. But I think what they are focusing on, and this is what every service does. You know, it's the reason Mandalorian season two is coming out right on the cusp of the one-year renewal period for those who bought the one year. It's the reason that Hulu and Disney Plus and stuff now do weekly episodes, not dumps like Netflix does. Like, you want to keep the churn down. So even though something like this would be a good selling point, ultimately what Nintendo's probably going to look at is events, like stuff like Mario 35, like I was saying, or stuff like, um, you know, they announced in the uh, partner showcase that 
Disgaea 6 is coming out on Switch, which is traditionally a PlayStation franchise. So to kind of prime the pump for Disgaea 6 and to get more people interested, it's, I think, one of the first third-party games that's getting a complete trial. Uh, like, actually, the game's called Disgaea 5 Complete, so it's just a complete version of the complete game on in trial form. But basically from... Wait, the, the game wasn't completed before and they just sold it? No, it was, it was. It was. I, I saw a misspoke That's there. Disgaea 5 Complete is the full name of the game and this is a complete trial of Why the complete game. <laughs> what I'm saying Horrible. is... I know. What I'm saying is from now... From the 23rd to the 29th, so i.e. right now, anyone that has Switch Online can try out the entirety of Disgaea 5 Complete. Like the whole game's downloadable. They've done this with first-party games like ARMS and stuff in the past. But you can go play it now, and if you like it, it's then fifty percent off until October sixth. And you know, six isn't out till next summer, so in a way, they're kind of priming the pump far in advance for it with this. But what I'm getting, I want to bring up now, post as part of the partner showcase, is um, I think what Nintendo's going to do, and maybe you know, downloading games is just kind of a side hustle for them at this point if they want to offer that. But I think what they're trying to do is constantly have stuff like the sky of five's trial ends two days before mario 35 begins and as that's going on there's like in smash bros they're doing like that nintendo vs challenge cup which is the first time they're doing a tangible prize tournament inside smash itself yeah. they've done it with battle fee but they've never done it in game so they're trying to do all these things that the only way you can actually partake in them is if you have the subscription and i think that's kind of angle as much as as much as a download option would be great and could augment it, I think we might – realistically, the more I think about it, we're probably going to see more stuff like these things happening and less stuff like um, you know, like new actual full-on features. They're basically going to say if you want your full Switch experience, if you want access to things, if you want to be able to win $100 in eShop credit by playing in Smash for these three hours on a random Saturday, like you got to have the subscription. And I don't know how compelling that – got it. I don't know how compelling that is though. Like, I mean, Angel, would you – like if you didn't already have Switch Online, you're our Smash guy. Would you be playing that Nintendo VS Challenge Cup? No. If I didn't Like would you have... pay to play it? No way. <laughs> because I don't know if Nintendo knows this, but there are of hundreds of online tournaments that are available with very wide rule sets that actually offer cash prizes. And much, much more that actually have their own like reputation and I guess notoriety within the Smash community. So this is great that as far as like accessibility goes, like I mean this is as best as it can get. You literally just have to go to that part of the menu, click on it, and then you just start it and that's it. It's it's pretty easy. Well at least registering it, I can't actually play it because we're recording literally during yeah, as it's going on. But I like the idea of it. I mean, it's an item tournament, so, you know, it's going to be as um, approachable to newcomers as Nintendo usually likes to do these kinds of tournaments, which is fine. But, I mean, maybe if they do one without items later on or just do this more often, like just give us an incentive to participate in these tournaments, then, yeah, then I'd be down for that. I mean, that's cool. But as of now... I don't think it's worth it. So, like, especially, especially if you don't. I mean, I mean, mainly if you don't have Nintendo Online, it's not worth grabbing it just for this. Right. Definitely. Right. Not. But let's say this was going on. Mario Thirty Five was going on. Especially this because guy... if you somehow have Smash Brothers and you got in this long without having it Nintendo Online, then you clearly don't want to play people online. So, 
This is not going to change your <laughs> mind. True. true, that's true. Well, I guess this in of itself might not, but if you combine every, like, I feel like it's a pretty decent value proposition. If they're like, hey, you know, it's a limited time game. I know how you guys feel about Mario Thirty Five being limited time. We talked about it last episode, but just from the the pitch side of it, hey, if you want to try this limited time Mario game, participate in this tournament, demo all these different games that rotate out every few weeks, um, and have access to this whole library of downloadable. Eh, uh, you know, NES and Super Nintendo games, like that at that point starts to sound like an actual package more than what it's been up to this point. Like, I don't think any one thing on its own will get people. I mean, I know downloads will for you because of your want to, your desire to play Donkey Kong outside, or sorry, Diddy Kong outside of uh, an internet connection. But like, that's where it starts to feel more like an all encompassing package, right? Like, I feel like they're moving that way. They're just doing it so piecemeal we're not really seeing it. But if, if someone came to Switch Online in six months and they had all that running concurrently, that doesn't sound so bare bones compared to what we subscribed to two years ago, you know? But maybe that's just I me. I mean, it is when you list it all off, but I'm trying to think of, like, outside of, I guess, just playing with my friends at its bare minimum, which is something that I've been able to do mm-hmm. without having to pay. Like, I don't think I've used any other services for free that I wouldn't, besides just playing with friends, I think you're the only one that has been taking more advantage of it with the Maximus Cups or the different skins from Tetris. Yeah. Oh, I do love those. But, um, yeah. Yeah, what about you, um, Kevin? Like, do you do much for Switch Online besides if you hop online with friends ever? Nope. Literally only huh. use it for Smash, Mario Kart, and whenever we play uh, Killer Queen Black. And I was going to say, it used to be true of, like, games like Rocket League, but that's now free-to-play, so yeah. that's that avoids it completely. And, like, games like Spellbound that came out, like, there's a bunch of free-to-play stuff, like Vigor and a few others that all, like, sidestep it entirely. So it's mm-hmm. not even every game. A lot a lot of people can play Fortnite and never touch Switch Online, now that I think about it. Yeah. So, it's interesting. It's definitely but, an uphill um, battle, but... And it's so funny, because, like, Nintendo, you know, we're talking about Switch Online, it's, like, such, like, a... You know, for it seems like such like a this should be so obvious, Nintendo. Meanwhile, there's like some some modders out there that like I saw a story that like some dudes are making an NES game that has a Wi-Fi chip in the cartridge so your NES can play online against other people. What? It's just like, yeah, it's called it's a game called Super Tilt Brothers. It's uh basically two super eight bit Smash Brothers of sorts, and they have prototyped a cartridge with a Wi-Fi chip on it. So like, if you want to play online with people. You just use the Wi-Fi on the cartridge, and all the sayings are in the cartridge. And it's just like some modders can figure out how to turn the NES into an online machine. And meanwhile, we're sitting here like, come on, Nintendo. Why are you not making – you know, you, you're charging for something that these mods are doing for free. You're charging for something that, like, the other guys that on some level – I guess PlayStation dope. do for free. But it's just kind of funny. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that um, – was there anything else you want to say about Diddy Kong? I feel like I hijacked you there a little. I, 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 I could dig that. What? Um, no, just the fact what you were talking about that that sounds like a a good invention. But no, yeah. Diddy Diddy Kong, yeah, as good as I remember it. Um, so how's how's uh, Mario Super Picross then? Because I I suck at or is it Picross or Picross? I don't really even know. Picross. I suspect I it's Picross. Picross. I don't know. Picross. Yeah. yeah. I I never could quite get the hang. Like I could. And it never really clicked with me, but have, how is it? Like, have you played other ones before, or was this your first time with that series? It's my first time ever playing a Picross game. I honestly, like, I, I didn't know what the game, how it worked beforehand, so it was a good introduction. And even though it was, like, all in Japanese, the tutorial, like, it still 
teaches you how to play it well enough that you can figure it out. But um, yeah, it's it's fun. Like, essentially, I mean, the game is. I'm guessing it, it literally is just this. It feels like it's just Minesweeper. I don't know what the difference between Minesweeper and this is. Actually, yeah. All right. So there, it is like Minesweeper, but it's like reverse a little. Essentially, in Minesweeper, you are kind of just like the first couple clicks. You're just guessing around where you think a mine is, and every time you click on a, um, I guess on a panel, um, you don't know. I mean, it'll tell you like, oh, right, there are four mines touching this square, or three mines. It'll give you a number that corresponds to how many mines are touching that square on any on any given side. Mm-hmm. In pit cross, you have a row and a column that has the numbers listed there. So if a row has a five, that means five. Um, yeah, if a row has the five in front of it, then that means um, there are five, I guess, squares on that row that need to be excavated and vice versa. Oh yeah, and so on. So and so every column, so if a column has ten, then that means ten of those boxes have to be excavated. So essentially there the game starts off pretty easily and usually there is one whole row that usually gets excavated, which then tells you, alright, this row over here only has three that need to be excavated and they're always um adjacent to each other. So if you have a row that was all excavated and then you have one column that just says two are needed, then you know it's going to be either above or below that row that was excavated. So that there's just a lot of cross-referencing essentially that you're doing. And, you know, it, it's fun. Um, it It's not that hard, but I could definitely see how it could get a lot harder. And after beating the first level, you actually do jump straight into, I guess, the Wario version of it. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, Wario just kind of <laughs> shows up, and it's, like, now Wario Picross. And, I mean, those are really cool. It's nice seeing, like, new renders of Wario. Well, not new, but I guess renders I haven't seen. It's new to me, so... New to and... America. <laughs> to America? Yeah, this game's never come out here before. Yeah. And yeah, I could definitely see myself playing more of it. Um, so, like, time waster. How deep does the Mario theming go? Because, like, if I'm not mistaken, you form images, right? Like, you're excavating to get to images, and then it like it's like, oh, look, it's a bagel or something. Like, do they have like Mario? I don't know why I said bagel, but do they have like Mario themed imagery, or is it just like only the surface I levels Mario, and then all the it's images just are still the menus? Because oh, <laughs> I finished a whole level and a couple from the next level. And the first level was literally just, like, different hiragana or katakana. Just, like, Japanese mm-hmm. characters. Mm-hmm. And then the next couple levels were, like, one with, like, a penguin, the North, the North Star. No, not the North Star. The the Little Dipper, a boat. Mm-hmm. You know, like, random stuff. So so they, they slapped Mario on to sell the thing, essentially. And then yeah, sell it here. I, I'm sure the Zelda Picross is actually more of a... Of an actual pit cross kind of oh, thing. Oh, the, the Twilight Princess, my Nintendo thing for Club yeah. Nintendo thing from back in the day? Yeah. Yeah, because this one definitely is just kind of there. Yeah. And and yeah, even though it's in Japanese, not too hard to figure out. Oh, no. Yeah, you could definitely. I mean, there's a decent amount of English in it, ironically. Mm. But yeah, anyone could figure it out. And I would def- I mean, 
I feel like anyone should just play it at this point if you. It is free. Have access to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which I guess, unless, well, actually, Kevin, is there is there any game you've been playing you want to highlight, or should we just jump to news at this point? Uh, let's just jump to the news. I might have something to talk about in the next episode, which we will get Ooh, to. Ooh, mysterious. Which we'll Uh-oh. get to in the news. Okay. Well, with that in like mind, let's talk about trouble. news. It, it sounds, yeah, it sounds sounds mysterious, but yeah. Naughty. So, um, Nintendo has been pretty busy lately. I was saying that to top of the show, but I'd say like for like the past, like as we kind of prime the pump here for what we're gonna talk about, I'd say for like the past five or six weeks now, we've had new announcements from Nintendo every single week. Like after such a long summer of relative silence, it's been pretty nice. Like we're getting presentations, we're getting shadow drops of like Kirby fighters, we're getting new Animal Crossing updates. Even this weekend, like today, the day we're recording, they just did an Age of Calamity thing at Tokyo Game Show and revealed that Young Impa is gonna be a playable character. So like it's like constant news now. Young Impa, because remember, it's 100 years ago, so it's a Young Impa. Impa. Young Impa. Young Impa. Sounds like a rapper, the more we repeat it, actually. Young Impa. But anyway, uh, to go chronological here, we should should start with the September Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase that we've already mentioned a couple times, uh, which, before we get into the games, dare I say that might have actually been the best one yet? Like, if you ask me, and I know nobody did, but if you ask me, I I think they... I think they struck the balance, though, of news. Like, we got some big reveals like the Monster Hunters. We got first looks at some further out games like Rune Factory 5, which uh, pretty much followed in the footsteps of Shimigami Tensei 5 by using the Partner Showcase as the gameplay debut thing. And uh, we got a variety of genres for short, you know, covering a bunch of short-term releases. So we got Empire of Sin, which I know, Kevin, I think back in one of the indie worlds, we were talking about that you were interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um we got Fitness Boxing 2. The original sold over a million, so like that's a notable one at this point. Some random stuff like Sniper Elite 4. And then we got some real short-term news with Shadow Drops of both Hades from Supergiant Games. That's um, the game. Which is getting like, great reviews. Yeah, That's the game? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick up Hades for sure. I'd be very curious to hear what you think about it because it's supposedly like exceptional. Mm-hmm. Like, it was outselling Mario 3D All-Stars on the eShop for, like, a few days when they both came out. Yep, I'm excited. Which, yeah. So so that was Shadow Dropped in from the Partner Showcase. Long Dark was Shadow Dropped. Uh, that's a survival game out in the wilderness. And then Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which wasn't even previously announced for Switch, was announced and released on the spot. And, like, you could tell Nintendo knew, like, they had a winner with this showcase, I feel like. Because this is the only one that got proper advance notice. This is the only one that got a live stream. And um, I don't personally anticipate every partner showcase being able to diversify like this and have this good of a showing because like you know third parties are on their own schedules not all games are created equal in terms of hyper interest the timing just doesn't necessarily work out but for this one i at least thought they did a really good job in terms of quantity and variety i mean what would you guys think of it or or do you just want to jump straight into the biggie of the show which was the monster hunter duo i mean i guess stepping back and just looking at through an analytical eye as far as like how good is this presentation for a general Nintendo news? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's great. Personally, I mean, I thought it was whatever. Um, yeah, there wasn't a ton that personally resonated with me, but I thought conceptually. I mean, it was, I mean, <laughs> my experience watching it was like, ooh, new Monster Hunter, that's awesome. And then the screen went black for like... 15 minutes and then <laughs> oh there's an, a monster hunter direct that was kind of a weird for them to literally announce nothing for a couple minutes straight but hey you're not buying sniper elite four come on no 
think so. Well, okay. Well, that's fair, Kevin. I'm guessing what did besides Hades and Monster Hunter? I guess are you into Monster Hunter? I feel like I should know the answer. Uh, no, I'm not really into Monster Hunter. I did mm. buy Monster Hunter World, and I mean those games. I feel are better play with uh, friends. And fortunately, I don't have friends that uh, bought Monster Hunter World on PC. So, well, if you get yeah. the new one, Rise for Switch, you do have a friend Ooh, on the other end of this be very recording. Yeah, I mean, as much as I really want to play Monster Hunter World because I do love the series, um, I think it was just a combination of just being too busy and maybe franchise fatigue a little bit. Maybe I just needed a break. It didn't feel like I did, but I mean, I I started playing the franchise in Monster Hunter 3 Try on the Wii, loved it, played the Ultimate version a ton with my brother on the Wii U, then played the hell out of the 3DS version. Uh, I mean, Monster Hunter 4. But when Monster Hunter Generations hit, I played that one not as much. And then when Monster Hunter 4, I mean, Monter Hunter World came out, I bought it when it came out, but I didn't really play it. I mean, I barely, so played, I barely went an hour into it. And I mean, I got the steelbook and everything, but yeah, it just kind of became a waste. So, so where but, do you stand on Monster Hunter Rise in that case? Well, that's the thing. Like, because I went through... a what you could essentially call like a generation of not playing monster hunter mm-hmm. um I, it's been long enough that i'm like really aching like to get back into the franchise so i'm very much like looking forward to it and especially because the new mechanic looks really fun like i mean the fact you have a dog that you get to maneuver through environments faster i mean it looks like they took the grappling ability from monster hunter world and just made it uber accessible instead of only available at certain points around the world like i mean you, you pretty much turn to spider-man which is crazy and yeah, that it's or go ahead sorry yeah so i don't know definitely just really looking forward to that game especially because i know my brother he's obviously going to play because he played monster hunter world and the iceborne dlc a lot i've had enough of a break and honestly it being on switch kind of helps me play it a lot more so kind of looking forward to that as well and if more people have it then even better um, I am kind of bummed that, you know, after seeing how Monster Hunter World looks, it's definitely night and day when you bring it to the Switch. Yeah, but, that's probably what's going you know, to keep me from I, playing it. But at the end of the day, um, it's all about, like, the monsters. I mean, this is literally just, like, a boss battle, um, boss run the game. So the environments don't really matter too much, even if they don't look that great compared to the other game. But the monsters still animate really well. They still look really good. Even on the 3DS, like... Graph, I feel like the graphics are something that always is something you get over with pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, you get over really quickly after you play it for a few hours because it becomes inconsequential. Like everything about it just becomes, just starts to outshine it. And I'm sure this one will be no different, assuming this is like, because it looks like it's just they took what they learned from Monster Hunter World and are just going to this. And that's great. So, yeah, that's what's kind of interesting about it to me is it's like, they're literally marrying the old Monster Hunters with World because, like, obviously it doesn't have the power of War, you know, the graphical horsepower under the hood that World had at its disposal. And that means, you know, it's not a big open world. But they're doing stuff like – it's still compart- – from what I can see from the outside perspective, it's still compartmentalized, but they're minimizing or removing the load times between each area. And then they give you something like the Rival Dogs. Like, you're going a lot quicker through these areas, and you're still going kind of like – not room to room, but, you know, segment to segment, but they've kind of cleaned up 
that. So it feels sort of pseudo open world, which is interesting. Because I remember playing the demo of the old one. It was very much like, you are now here. Okay, now you're going over here. Now you're going over there. There's like a little pause. It seems like they're addressing that. Well, that so was that, addressed that, in Monster Hunter World, but yeah. No, no, no. But I mean like addressing that in a more traditional structure. Because, yeah, World, obviously, it's a whole open world, and Switch, I think, simply can't handle that. So they're kind of like finding no, a they do. ground. I don't... Are you... Okay. I'm saying World isn't on Switch, and this one doesn't work like World because Switch can't do it, but they found kind of a stopgap middle ground of how they can make it function like the old Monster Hearts for the sake of the horsepower, but still feel a little like World by taking away load times. If that makes sense. Wait, how do you think World worked? Wasn't it just one big open world? No. It was still kind of compartmentalized? It's... It was kind of... It was, so, like different maps, so, but... Yeah, like, World was just had... World was just like any other Monster Hunter. You have... All Monster, all Monster Hunter worlds have, like, a hub where you prep your food, you prep your gear and the army you want to take to battle, and then you pick a quest. And the quests all take place in different maps. And the maps are all... If, whether you're in World or any other Monster Hunter, they're all, like, roughly about the same size overall. The only difference is that in every game before World, every single section of the map was split into, like, areas. So, like, yeah, like, yes, areas 1 about. to 12. Yeah. And in between each area, the game would load. In World, yeah. every single one of these maps got rid of that. And, but everything is still, like, separated by, I guess, levels. But, yeah, I guess there's no loading going in between areas. Um, Monster Hunter Rise, it's just like Monster Hunter World in that sense. Okay, like, okay. So I guess it's just the scope of it or the scale of the levels. No, like, everything. I, like, I guess my question is, why uh, is it suddenly a big selling point that they got rid of the load times for this? Because one? it's the first time that's happened on a Nintendo console, so most oh, people that are that playing this sense. probably haven't played World, so they have to definitely put that as a selling point. Right. Okay. I thought I thought it was like some sort of hybrid thing. Gotcha. No, no, no. Yeah, it, Good thing it, I preface it, 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 it from my outside perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's something like it's new to us, but not new to them. Right, I see what you're saying. The verticality thing, though, like, how is it in World? Because I guess you were saying they had the grapple, but now it seems like it's like the I core mean, it was part definitely, of the game. I mean, so much it, so that's in the name. It, it's just much faster, really. That's just mm. what it boils down to. Like, everything is just much, much faster. Interesting. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's this whole thing lately with verticality in games. Like, I feel like this is going to end up... And I realize World doesn't necessarily... It wasn't necessarily relying on this to do it itself. But, like, I feel like the legacy of Breath of the Wild is going to be verticality in games. If you see something, you can climb something. I mean, Immortals is doing it with Ubisoft. It's literally in the name of the new Monster Hunter. Like, there's something about verticality now that's, like, the hot new thing in gaming. Like, it's almost like they're rediscovering I, 3D gaming. It's like, wait, we have a third axis. Yeah, seriously. Like, do you think it's actually going to change up? Like, having the game sped up like this, do you think it's going to? Because you know, the dog, the grapple. Maybe all not. That. A, I mean, it's going to make things. I don't think so. It's just going to make the flow of the game a lot faster because you're going to get to area faster because you can ride a dog that lets you move at a very fast pace without wasting stamina. Whereas before, you would have to run everywhere, and that was mm. like as fast as you can get somewhere, and it would waste your stamina. You'd have to drink energy potions, so. You could drink these potions while you're riding the dog. So it just speeds up getting to the monsters a lot faster, which, you know, is always the best part. Um, verticality has been, like, explored in the Monster Hunter games since, like, Monster Hunter 4. 
Like mm-hmm. it went from you had like the most you had as far as verticality goes was that if you were on a level above a monster, like on a like on a steeper cliff, you could just jump off the cliff and do a jump like a diving attack as you're falling down. And that was like the extent of verticality. Then in yeah. subsequent games, you eventually got the ability to they added many more patches where you could climb upwards, but it would still have to be predetermined climbing areas. Mm-hmm. Then later games allowed you to dash as you climb, just to climb a lot faster and to attack while you're climbing, just to kind of emphasize the fact that you could do things while you're climbing. And now this one just seems like you could just climb anywhere. So, right, Breath yeah. of the Wild style. Yeah. So you know, so like how the, the only thing they've just kind of tried and gave up on completely was just the underwater fighting, which I feel like my brother and I didn't really have a big issue with, but obviously a lot of people did. But. Right. Yeah, that never came back. So, so now that you had your gap or your break, how all in are you going to go here? Because there's both a standard edition and a deluxe edition. The latter of which comes with like all sorts of in-game stuff, like armor and well, face paint have... and hairstyles, and I think gestures for in-game. Like, are you gonna go like all the like? Are you gonna buy the amiibo? There's three exclusive ones at GameStop. Like, are you going all in, or are you kind of tepidly coming back in light of your kind of fatigue? Well, no, I mean, I'm going all in. It's been long enough. I've been wanting to play these games, but I just never got around to it. And I'm just going to make time for this one. And while I am going all in, I'm just going all in digitally. Um, Monster Hunter is one of those games that's just best to have always available because you kind of come back to it very often. And sometimes you only do like a mission or two and then you're kind of done for the day. So Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't want to have that on a cartridge. Which means I'm kind of limited to just getting the the deluxe edition. So pretty much the best version mm-hmm. I could get while digital. At this point, I'm okay not getting Amiibo. If they had like, it's kind of weird to say, but if they had like a little statue that wasn't an Amiibo, I'd probably be more willing to buy the physical one. <laughs> but because yeah. it's an Amiibo, I feel less inclined to get it. I don't know why that is. I just... Well, if yeah. you scan them, you get special armor. That makes it worth the Amiibo, maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just like don't want to buy anything with the amiibo marking on it. Yeah, you know? that, that's someone. I mean, I mean, you know, it as, would be... as, as excited as I was for like King K. Rule and Ridley coming down in Smash, I, I still haven't bought in those amiibos. Like, I don't know. Like the only one I could see myself buying just to have would be maybe the Banjo amiibo once that comes that's out. That's about, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't no. And I, Kevin, I you're I, it's too much. Or sorry, go ahead. Screw amiibo. Yeah. And Kevin, you're just not even gonna touch this, huh? Is what it sounded like. Like you, you, World spoiled you. Uh, no, not necessarily. Well, they never played World. Yeah, I would love to get it to World. Like I played maybe oh. about two hours, and that was pretty oh. much it. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would love to play World. I would have loved to play uh, Rise if I hadn't been spoiled by by how good and how uh, well World runs. You I mean, know, it's, the, it's, what Capcom's Capcom says they're going to keep this one at the same 30 frames they kept World, and it's running yeah, on. And, and, yeah, and the thing I about never, Resident Evil 7 World, engine, weirdly enough. World but, on, okay. on consoles yeah, the, PC, the, so. the, thing, the, the thing about Monster Hunter 2 is, like, or at least most of their games, is that they get so many updates that I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of the life cycle of this one, it will have most, if not all, of the monsters from Monster Hunter World in it. Mm, right. But it's also obviously going to have its own fair share of new ones. But... I don't know if this is going to be a new deal like it was for Monster Hunter Tried through generations where they were all on Nintendo 
And then World was on PS4, and I guess now Rise is on Nintendo. So does that mean we're going to get a World 2 on PS4? Because, damn, now I'm kind of thinking, like, like, am I going to have, am, am I going to be too, like, fatigued after playing this one to want to get World 2? Because mm. I would want to play a game, well, now on PC, if anything, but, yeah. Well, if, if they follow up Rise, I hope they call it Rises again. Nope. That's I, they just got to at this point. But, um... Uh, yeah, I thought they announced World 2. Maybe not, because it seems like they're doing the Final Fantasy split, where, like, one console gets one type of game and one console gets the other type of game. But no, I guess they are also kind of blending them more, so. They have not announced a World 2. As a matter of fact, I, mean, I, I think, think the Iceborne expansion. I think, yeah, World, I think, is, like, Capcom's best-selling game of all time. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So it'll be interesting to see how Rise Capcom, does. I think. Yeah, no, they were definitely struggling. Like that and Resident Evil Seven and a few other things really and the Resident Evil remakes like really two turned things around. Yeah. I'm sure two did. Um Speaking of two, there's two Monster Hunters coming. Um so there's obviously the main one, Rise, which we talked about, but there's also Monster Hunter Stories two, Wings of Ruin, which uh alright, so you guys gave your thoughts on normal Monster Hunter. Stories is like Monster Hunter through a Pokemon lens or something. Like, what exactly? I know you team up with the monsters and you like have to go save other monsters or something like that. Am I on the right track here? I don't know. It beats me. So how, me. Co- how 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 come? Um, I know as much as you do. Based assuming you saw the same trailers I did, that's kind of all well, I, I mean, really just know about the Monster franchise Hunter. in general. Because there's Monster Hunter Stories One on the 3DS. Like this isn't a new thing. It's just no. Sequel. I know. I I I didn't really keep up with any of the Monster Hunter Stories news or anything i just know it's some kind of pokemon like rpg, RPG game yeah. that just has more emphasis on the story i mean it doesn't look bad it looks cool but yeah that's kind of no time that to ended yeah it's it's just time investment into franchises too like if i'm gonna be playing a monster hunter game i don't want to play a core monster hunter game if i'm gonna play an rpg i'd rather play something else Right. Play, an, it, play, play in your original property or an established RPG property that I already know I like because it, it as you know, our time on this planet is limited and <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta gotta use that time wisely. It is interesting how they're releasing them so close together though, because like stories. Granted, I guess they're very different games and gameplay, but like stories too. I know, is this summer and Rise is out in March. Like on that's mobile, very actually. close together. Ra- stories. Oh, yeah, the original stories. Yeah, he's playing the original on mobile so that he could get ready for the Switch one. Ah, so he'll be all in. So he's the true Monster Hunter fan here. <laughs> he's well, yeah, he anything made... Monster Hunter. Yeah, I got him into Monster Hunter, but he he's definitely he never stopped playing. So he, the during the hiatus that I had, he just kept going, and I'll be rejoining him in Rise. So yeah. If only they did what they're doing in Japan. They're releasing a. Uh, like uh, I forgot what they're calling, it, but basically it's a two pack. So you get one physical copy, one digital copy, and then a bunch of stuff all at a discounted rate, so you and a friend can play. Like what? you get your copy, and That'd then you can perfect. send your friend. A... I know, but they're not doing it in America. So Ugh. you can reach out to Capcom by visiting the Capcom.com contact us page and let them know how you feel. There was this running joke, but yeah, I thought I thought that was a really cool way to help get more people into the franchise, and they're just completely not doing it here. Instead, we just get standard deluxe and amiibo on March twenty sixth. Which, uh, interestingly, is also the date that was confirmed for Yuji Naka's uh, Ball in Wonderworld with Square Enix. Um, also in the partner showcase, they showed off co-op mode. Oh, uh, man, that trailer. Let's use, like, combined costumes. Yeah, it it has a very Knights-esque look. 
Well, I mean, that's I, clearly the the intention. But it, as Bass said, but it's not but really clicking with me. Everything about it, like, I love the imagination in the game, but something about the gameplay they show just kind of feels very rough. Um, it, yeah, I don't know, the level design, even just, mainly just the level design, like, something about it just doesn't feel fine-tuned. It doesn't feel as fun as I would like. I don't know. It yeah, gives it's a pedigree inviting. of who's involved, yeah. both on the publisher side with Square Enix and on the developer side with Yuji Naka and Sonic's co-creator, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, yeah, it seems a little ho-hum. But I do like the concept of the co-op mode where you have two people running around and they combine your costumes. Because the whole thing's about costumes, right? So there's like 80-plus different costumes or whatever. And you can combine them to do like – Six seasons in a movie. Different costumes, like different things that are only accessible if the two of you play and combine. So it's like a Wonder Twin sort of dealio, which is kind of cool. But the thing that sort of caught my eye – I actually didn't think of this at the time. But then I was reading Nintendo World Report, and they had an article about this that kind of caught my eye. March 26th. They both come out on March 26th, which is a Friday, which is typically when Nintendo releases their games, but not so much when the other guys do. And one of those games is Monster Hunter, a series that Nintendo has used in the past to launch hardware revisions. as coming yeah. out on Nintendo's Just favorite notice, day of the week. Is- just notice Obus has a Monster Hunter exclusive 3DS and a Monster Hunter PS4 Pro. Yeah, so do you see where I'm going with this mm. or where Nintendo World Report was going with this? Um, two major third-party games on a day <laughs> a they Hunter release. Oh, no. Or a co-launch with the Switch Pro. Actually, uh, if it's for Monster Hunter, I guess I wouldn't mind buying a new Switch. Because that's mm. the thing is, to really, to Kevin, your concern about the game running and how it looks, if they were to – granted, it wouldn't be night and day, but you know, a 4K Monster Hunter at launch would certainly move more in the direction of world. Don't you mean day and night? I think at, I care night? way yes, more about yes, performance than resolution at this point. That's fair. <laughs> Although they, they still guarantee – or they're still aiming <laughs> the, at 30 this frames, point. Sounds very world. defeatist. Yeah, it kind of does. But, um, yeah, like there's – like everything – obviously this is some speculation on Nintendo World's point, Nintendo World Report's point. But like there have been all these stories like, you know, Bloomberg saying that third parties are being asked to have their games before K ready. Uh, there's other reports that a Switch Pro may launch in Q1 of next year. This is in Q1 of next year. Like March is traditionally a very big month for Nintendo too. Like obviously – like beyond what Nintendo World Report was saying, but obviously like the Switch launched in March – Four years ago, by the time the Pro would be out, um, it's been previously previously released systems like the 3DS that launched in March, the Game Boy Advance SP that launched in March, uh, and they usually have a very big release in that month. Like this year, it was Animal Crossing New Horizons. So if you line all that up, and even when they did the new 3DS, it was with Monster Hunter, just like yeah. this would be, but it happened to be in February. So there's maybe something here that maybe March 26 on some level could in fact be when we get the 4K ready switch pro if that becomes a thing when is the fiscal and year what's kind of interesting what when's the fiscal year end march 31st so they get in right under the wire hmm. uh which also i don't you know i think th- that lines up nicely because the episode or two ago we were talking about how nintendo bumped their sales forecast for a switch up to 30 million which is more than the wii ever sold in a year and i think maybe more than ds ever sold a year and the switch is chugging along like there's no doubt that it's doing really well but like if you really want to guarantee you hit that number, you know, launching a new system right there in the last week, like they do every time they do a revision, like it, it, it kind of lines up. 
And I mean, uh, in that same shareholder meeting we were talking about before, uh, Shintaro Furukawa, Nintendo's president, said that they consider Switch as roughly halfway through its life cycle right now, which is typically when Nintendo does a revision. So I don't know. It, 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 it was an interesting point that Nintendo World Report raised. I didn't necessarily think of it that way initially, but now that they've raised it, I'm kind of like, you know, I could see it. I mean, on the other hand, it's certainly possible they can hit that goal without new hardware. I mean, Switch is doing wild numbers. Uh, the MPD August chart came out, and uh, you know, for sales here in the U.S., lo and behold, Switch is again the top console. It has been all year, and that's even in a month where you know a strong performer like Madden was number one, and then you know UFC was number two, and Call of Duty was number three, and they're still killing it. But like half of the top ten games on that chart were first-party Nintendo games. Animal Crossing was number five, Ring Fit was number six, Mario Kart was number seven, Smash was number eight, Paper Mario was number nine. And then what's crazy, if you expand that list to the top 20, Nintendo's still half of the list. Breath of the Wild is number 11, Mario U uh, Deluxe is number 15, Super Mario Party is number 16, Mario Odyssey is number 18, Luigi's Mansion is number 20. Literally 10 out of 20 top 20 games are Nintendo games. So, like, they could probably just roll through to 30 million maybe off just the evergreens and the holidays and you know stuff like um the mario 3d collection and hyrule warriors um but and, and i'm not even in, i'm not even including stuff other pushes they're doing like target for 100 it's bucks not even including what other they're doing no but no 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 what other things nintendo's doing like target now for 100 bucks you can get a two-pack of mario kart 8 and super mario party in a, in a single box you know that's 10 bucks off each game 20 dollars savings um, and like in Brazil, Nintendo just launched a Switch, and in oh, China, they include the... that with the Switch and not one two Switch. Wow. <laughs> well, not with the Switch with each other, but yes, exactly. Um, no, it's you get the two packages, Mario Kart and Mario Party together. Um, but then, like in Brazil, they just launched the Switch, and in China, Ring Fit Adventures sell, sold out of pre-orders. So it's certainly possible they don't need a Switch Pro, and maybe March twenty sixth is just a weird coincidence on an off day for these companies, but. It is intriguing that that's the day it is. So I'm, I'm just saying, maybe. I'm not saying. Nintendo World Report's saying, and I'm regurgitating. Maybe. Um, but yeah, that was Monster Hunter, unless you guys had anything else you want to say about Monster Hunter. Um, not really. No. Okay, I, th- I think that does, uh, I guess, kind of segue us into um, a different topic, which is the, the second wind topic. of... What? No, I said a very dark topic. I don't know if it's dark, but it's the second wind of Animal Crossing New Horizon, which, um, you know, like I was saying, Animal Crossing's kind of killing it. It's number five on the August August chart. It's been around that position or higher since March, since and those are just physical sales. What? Or since April, not March. You're right. Thank you. Yeah, since since April. Oh no, March. I was right. March. Yeah. No, I would no. Yeah, as I said, I was jokingly saying that it's been in that position since before oh, it even came out. Oh, I, I thought you were correcting like, me. I got the wrong one. Because yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels like it's always at some Yeah, it's always there. All And that's all physical sales, not digital. And it's still, like, generally speaking, this crazy zeitgeisty thing. Like, a few weeks back, Ikea released their entire furniture catalog modeled with Animal Crossing. And then, like, Joe Biden did, like, in-game camp- yard signs for his campaign, which is very much a Pokemon go to the polls 2.0. Uh, even a Japanese politician did the same thing, and the Nintendo, for some reason, for the Japanese guy at least, told him, "Hey, we don't endorse that," and they pulled it. But I don't think Nintendo of America wants to touch politics right now, so they're not. But either way, like the point is, like every time it seems like it's peaking, it keeps going, and yet it now kind of looks like Nintendo's looking to boost it further, even though it's doing great as is, and to try and just make a little, kind of do a little side hustle with it, make a little extra money on the side, because on Friday. They announced they're bringing back both the special edition Animal Crossing Switch hardware 
And kind of interestingly, and Andrew, I guess Shudder, why I say this based on what you're saying before, they're bringing back Animal Crossing Amiibo cards in full, like to buy in stores. Um, the cards weren't really readily available when the game first launched. Uh, so you may not know what they actually do, but essentially, if you scan one into New Horizons, that particular villager will show up at your campsite and you can go through the process of convincing them to move in like any other random villager, which you know is great for people who may want a given specific villager or who want to ride the meme of uh, Roland or whatever his name is. And you know these cards will let them do that. I'm sure some villagers will be more sought after than others. But there is a part of me that kind of wishes the second wind of New Horizons had like more to it like i don't know like gameplay implications I, I i think like what i don't really play it anymore and i think what slightly irked me is the fall update that that was announced in tandem with the cards coming back and the switch hardware re-release like it has some cool stuff they're introducing pumpkins that can be farmed and crafted into new items uh, and skin tones and eye color thing is kind of interesting even the emotion yeah you're able funny. you're able to go full halloween with skin tones and eye color and make yourself green but purple eyes or whatever um there's new reactions to learn that can then be controlled from the Nook Link app inside the Switch Online app for the first time. So you don't even need to like fiddle with it. You know, If you have more than the shortcut buttons on your system, you can just press it on your touchscreen next to you. Like All that's great if you're still about the current set of features in the game. They're kind of cool layers on top of it. But I feel like they're not really doing anything anymore. Like There's absolutely a group of players who are going to eat this up, and I'm glad they can enjoy it, but I'm... I'm surprised they're not introducing bigger elements like the past update brought on diving and swimming or Red's art counterfeiting or Leaf in his flower shop or Dreams, uh, you know, the Dreams uh, scape things. And like in the grand scheme of things, this fall update when Nintendo's now like actually doing a marketing push again for the game, it's pretty cosmetic only, you know, like it's, it's all like, cool, you can get new items that look like pumpkins or cool, you can make your skin look a different color. That's not normal, like purple, but that's like it. It's, it seems like there's so many things that just left on the table, you know, and yeah. the, the it does keep selling well. So it seems like it seems like Nintendo could or is basically riding this out and going like, well, you know what? Like when the sales go down, then we'll bring out the bigger stuff because half of DLC is always the marketing, you know, like just being like, hey, Brewster's here. And you'd be like, oh, I love Brewster. Maybe I'll go play it again. I don't, I don't know who would do that, but Do-do but it just Brewster. seems like. What? Yeah, everyone loves Brewster. He's great. But I don't know if that'll get you to go play again. But like it just seems like there seems like an opportunity here that they could use to rope in some lapsed players who maybe want a gameplay shakeup. Do it at a time when there's strong word of mouth because of the holidays. Like even with COVID and everything, like people are still gonna go home for the holidays, probably more so than any other time of year. And like, you know, they make these amiibo cards, they're bringing them back. And I'm sure they're going to sell decently, but if you really want them to fly off the shelves, why wouldn't you have the full audience back and have the full audience engaged and then do the cards? It just seems like a slight missed opportunity. Like, I don't know. Like, I nothing here is compelling me to jump in or care about Amiibo cards. I'm guessing, Angel, you're kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Not really going back for the Amiibo. If anything, I'm probably just going to start playing again just because it's been long enough that I haven't played that I kind of miss it a little. And, you know, just kind of pick a little more off of my island project i mean i still have a grand vision for what i want it to look like i knew it's going to take years for it to to get done but you know what's the rush so now are you feeling that way now because they just happened to do a burst of animal crossing stuff or just no it's just a coincidence okay yeah that's what i was kind of thinking because it's like yeah i don't know like it's again it's great for people who have it 
but it just seems like they're holding back a bit artificially here. Like there, there's so many things that the old Animal Crossing could do that this one still can't, and they're kind of just like waiting it out. And I guess they're waiting till the sales go down, but it just feels like they're kind of leaving some longer-term fans high and dry because they've done all these things. Like they've collected all the items. And okay, there's pumpkin ones, but you know. And how does how that make that you feel? Engaged. It makes me feel how Used? I just described it for the last few minutes. I don't know. I don't have a. I guess my emotional response is like dirty, slightly disappointed. Oh. But then on the flip side of that, though, like sometimes Nintendo does do cool stuff. So unless you guys had any thoughts about Animal Crossing, I'm going to jump to the cool thing they did. Like maybe what the Animal Crossing. What could they possibly do that's cool? Release a game out of nowhere. A full game. Like just no rhyme or reason, no no warning. Just, hey, here's a new Kirby game. Ignore oh. what the Kirby game is for a second. Just in concept. I like this idea that, you know, if it wasn't for Nintendo leaking the game themselves on their own website the night before by accident... The fact that we just out of the blue got a full Kirby game, granted it's a spinoff, but nonetheless, it's kind of cool. Like yeah. I kind of like that Nintendo can still surprise Kirby? us. How like much that. does it cost? No, it's not. It's, it's, it's a, a twenty dollar fighter thing. Yes, it's a spinoff. So basically, what it amounts to Kevin is Diet Smash Bros. At least from what I can tell. Like for twenty bucks, you're getting a game that has uh, seventeen different Kirby's with seventeen different copy abilities, including a new one for. Uh, the first time in 15 years or something called The Wrestler, and you fight them all in 2D arenas that are kind of like Smash Bros, but you're not knocking each other off the stage. You're depleting each other's health bars, and you use, like, items plus your attacks or something. Like, Angel, have you? did you play the original? I never played the original. I played the demo briefly. But... So am I kind of on the right path here with how it works? Yeah. I mean, it's basically a much simplified Smash Brothers where everyone is Kirby with a different ability. And the abilities are just a little more refined than usual. Which Kirby game was the one that was like almost treated like a Monster Hunter game? Which one was that one? Or am I making what? stuff up? <laughs> uh, well, there's an RP. Oh, no, the... Super Kirby Clash. Is that the, the one? one where you have to team up to fight big bosses together yeah, and it's one. 2D? Yeah. yeah, Super Kirby Clash or Kirby Clash. Oh. Both of these spun off from Kirby Triple Deluxe on the 3DS. And became their own separate games for sale on the 3DS eShop and now have sequels on Switch, cool. which is kind mm-hmm. of interesting. But it, it, what's, inter- what's, what's kind of cool, honestly, about Kirby Fires 2 is it's not just Kirby's now. Meta Knight's there. King Dedede's there. They look like they literally have their Smash Bros. movesets. So it's uh, but they also in-universe have... Kirby game, I guess. Um, Kirby yeah. fighting game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also have uh, Waddle D and Magalore cool. and one guy that almost made me buy it on concept alone, which was Gooey. From way back in Kirby's Dream Land 2, he's playable. And that just, to me, I was just like, oh, that's that's actually really cool. But I still don't, I mean, They like, brought him I back for Star Ally, so... All the yeah, but, were, like, yeah, I know, there. I know. He was but also in like Kirby's Dream 3. Playable. True, true. Kirby Dream Land 2 is one of the very first Game Boy games I had, which is why I have that specific connection with oh, the specific weird. game. Yeah. Um, but, I, I like, are you, Angel, you're a fighting game guy. You're a Smash Bros. guy. Let me guess. You're not getting this one, are you? No. <laughs> Kotaku the, or someone sums it up well. It's like it's the carnival game version of Smash Brothers. I mean, why play that when I have Smash Brothers? Yeah. Like, it, it, it's fine because even the menus look like Smash Bros. Like, I don't know if you browse, like, the menus, but it, it's, it's very, very I mean, similar. I think, I Kirby's think already like, a character that's not very fun to fight against in, in Smash Brothers. Why would I want a game revolved around his franchise? <laughs> I mean that's a that's a fair point. I think it's uh it's interesting because 
I guess the weight of the characters. Are, I mean, I don't know if you experienced with the original that this was the case, but I guess they change how Kirby feels for this one, and all the Kirby's are like you go in and it looks like Smash. They expect Smash, but the characters are actually a lot heavier, so they don't like fly around as much, really. Which is mm. kind of yeah. So it is a little different. I mean, it's not made by How directly. Van Pool helped co-develop it. They're the ones that also did Super Kirby Clash last year. But um, yeah, like I think, I think if I were to buy it. It would be because the game feels like some sort of best of or greatest hits of the Kirby franchise. You know, like I mentioned Gooey, but like I'm sure there's fan service galore throughout this thing. The stage choices, you know, the music, all that. But yeah, I don't – it doesn't feel like there's enough meat there. Like it does feel like knockoff Smash Bros, which is so weird because Nintendo also makes Smash Bros. Well, it's the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, like, sure, I'm sure the game is great. I'm sure it has some polish, but... Yeah, and, and they have things in there that are kind of nice, like a leveling up system, and there's a story mode, even though, you know, it's like typical fighting oh, game story leveling mode. up system in a fighting game? Those are the worst. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, at least they're trying to stand out. It has online multiplayer. At least they're trying to, like, stand, stand out, out like that. <laughs> well, what what what's your qualm with that? Uh, I mean, when I, when I think fighting games, I... I, I don't know. I guess I want everybody to know that it's just... I don't know. Um, Leveling Sun just adds another mechanic that I feel is sometimes not always nicely received. Like, if someone else... um, I mean, I don't know how this leveling system works, but if it's, like, what I think it is, like, I know, like, in, in Justice 2, for instance, like, there is a mode where you could play where some characters use a leveling system. Most people don't play that mode because of oh, for yeah. this reason alone. But essentially, you can have a character that is so leveled up, so high, that they don't even really have to do anything to win. You could do all the combos you want on him, something that would have normally killed anyone, but they'll take like a quarter of their damage. It's like they pretty much turn into like a boss monster. And so pretty much matches are either ridiculously unbalanced or because both people are the same level, it's like the same thing. So, yeah, all it does is just add needless frustration on one end. Mm. So, yeah, I feel I feel like there's so many. Make weird... it its own mode. If that if that's all it is, that kind of sucks. But if there's a separate mode for that, then that's fine because then that's where you get to show off that you spent well all the time that you spent like grinding to level up your character will pay off. But don't right. put it in the but don't put it in the main version or don't or, you know just make it its own mode make it a separate thing yeah so i'm, I'm honestly not sure where because like i think or go ahead because i mean i mean as okay as i think i am in smash brothers um like i know like there's people that like i've beaten that i've that i've put way more hours into the game that i have just because i know i have like better fundamental skills on them because you know i've played all the previous one what? That, that, that's a pretty. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm only, I'm only, I'm only thinking because like I've seen it firsthand. Like I used to play with a group of people that they were really good, um, but I would beat them like maybe like ninety nine percent of the time. I would win like every time against them. I would like, I would lose like once like every. Yeah, it was kind of rare when I lost. Even though the games were sometimes close, I would just always pull out ahead of them. And then one day I just decided just to check like how many hours they put into the game. And at the time, I think I only had like 80 hours into Smash Ultimate, but these people already had it in the thousands. And I was like, how can you have this many hours in the game? But 
I guess still kind of not beat me. And then the cockiness set in. Mm-hmm. Well, no, because then it's mm-hmm. like, but then I guess putting it in those terms, like, because I know, like, I've had these people are probably like, I know even for a fact, like some of them, like Smash Ultimate was one of their first games that they played in the Smash series. So even though they had thousands of hours in the game or over a thousand, it didn't matter much because just by playing them for a few seconds, I already knew like their play style and I was able to exploit that. But because I've played, you know, since essentially Smash 64, I've had years and years to refine that, I guess. But if we had like a, I guess a leveling up system, they were, I guess, no matter how good or how much better I am than them, then yeah, they would just destroy the heck out of me. And at that point, it just kind of comes down to, I guess that's, that's my biggest problem with it is that not everyone can play the game as much as other people. And when you try to play online, like that's kind of what you're just going to end up with. Like every, the right. few overpowered down people. To time spent. Yeah. The people that have the hour to put into it, the time to put into it are just going to destroy everyone else. Which, which, as you know, we know from throughout this episode about time, yeah, you only have so much time in this world, so <laughs> might as well balance it out as much as possible. Sometimes, and, and you know, unless that's the way... point of it. I mean, if that's literally the point of it, then that's fine. But you know, I feel like my example kind of ex- exemplifies that a little. But yeah. I, I feel like this game in particular, like, because like there's so many weird. I really wish of all the games that Nintendo went, you know what? This Kirby game is not going to be free to play. I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of wish Kirby Fighters 2 was a free to play game, like Super Kirby Clash. Like, it's actually a bit odd that it's not. Because, like I was saying, they're kind of both spin offs from the same core game, Triple Deluxe. They're both made by Vampool. Like, I feel like they could. Maybe not fully free to play, but I think like if they Tetris ninety nine this a little, like make the multiplayer battles free and switch online, and then like you know, besides being a feather in the cap for the service as we were discussing earlier, um, it can then be used as an advertisement for the rest of the game. So maybe the core multiplayer doesn't have a leveling up system; it's just the multiplayer. You can see if you like it, and then if you do, you get these modes with the leveling up. You get the story mode. You get all that, and you can decide if it's worth your finite time because there's always so much time we have in this world. Because like I genuinely think. I'd be interested in trying it and who knows, maybe I'll like it, but based on what I've seen and you know what, you might even like it too much. I might. And then that might be what my, the rest of my time is spent on in this world. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Just like, I'm not sure if it's worth a $20 gamble, but this game in particular feels like one that either should be cheaper or like, they should have done a free thing first just so you can kind of feel it out because it's so similar to Smash that any little difference, like, you know, even the leveling up system can make or break it for someone and no one really knows no one's necessarily going to take that $20 gamble. So, I don't know. But it's it's interesting. I like the concept of Nintendo just dropping things out of the blue. The last time they did this was Jump Rope Challenge, which, reminder, everyone, you only have like two or three days to get. It ends at the end of this month. Um, but that one was obviously a much smaller scale release. This is a full-on game. So if they if they have a couple more of these up their sleeve, like kind of B-tier well, it's, well, it's games, a good idea to cool download it. If you miss it, don't worry. You're not missing that much. If you oh, wanna, jump rope? Yeah. No. If you want to play the game, just jump in place, and there you go. The only you difference is you have a little cartoon bunny telling you you're doing it. Put a – find a video of it on YouTube you and then jump along with it. Yeah, there you go. Good. There you go. And then it could set the pace for you, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that that was um, – unless you guys anything else, had anything else about Kirby, that was pretty much it for the, the positive news. There is one sort of – mournful story which is not really mournful but one sad little tidbit which is that the nintendo 3ds born march 2011 is done they discontinued yep they discontinued it uh last week they announced that they have no 
plans to produce further hardware, but they will continue the online service. They will continue the eShop. They will continue having games available, retail and digital. But yeah, I thought like to end this episode, we might as well reflect on this thing that lasted for nine and a half years. It I still have to buy came Metroid out right before our first episode. What? I said I still have to buy Metroid 2. You mean, oh, Sinatra Returns? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the yeah, no, and there's still like produced in, handheld? It's up there. It's slightly longer than the Game Boy Advance. Uh, the Game Boy Advance, I actually calculated this out like a week ago. The Game Boy Advance was nine years, one month, and 24 days. The 3DS was nine years, six months, and 22 days. Which I find kind of funny because I always used to say on the podcast, Nintendo's going to follow the Game Boy Advance MO. Like, you know, the Switch is going to come out and the 3DS is going to turn into the budget system and it'll last about as long as the Game Boy Advance. I did not think I'd have it almost to the exact month, but sure enough, they followed the strategy <laughs> nearly to the exact month. Uh, it exceeded it a smidge, which does line up with Nintendo saying they're it's selling better than they expected the first you know Damn, year or two of the Switch. Look at this guy. I know, so proud of myself. Yeah, nerdy. But no, it's. It, I feel like the 3DS was such an interesting system. Like it went through so many. Like what launched in March of 2011 is nowhere near what we had by the end of the 3DS life, or even what we had in the middle of the 3DS life. Like I don't know if you guys remember this thing when it came out. Like the idea behind it, essentially was like, hey, what? let's do an evolution of the DS. Uh, it wasn't like a revolutionary thing like DS. It's just further along. And then they're just like, well, what does that mean? We don't really know. Let's just throw things against the wall and see what sticks. So it had like the 3D. It had augmented reality, which never really was used for anything except uh, Face Raiders and I guess that Chibi Robo Photo Finder game. Um it had like a bunch of stuff that would be like, oh, you got into Nintendo with the DS, right? So here's a sequel to Brain Age. Here's a sequel at launch to Nintendogs, which kind of bombed. Here's another new Super Mario Brothers. Like early on, it was so like weird mix of like we're going to make it super premium and high end for the gamers and it'll have extra inputs for the gamers. But then all the casuals that we got in with the DS are going to keep loving it and buy this $250 device. That um, then, as I'm sure you guys remember, they had to drop the price significantly by like 70 bucks because it mm. basically underperformed and we got all these ambassador games. And then from there, like it just kind of turned into just another DS. Like the 3D wasn't necessary for most games. The uh, Like it was cool. The diorama for Luigi's Mansion I thought was really cool. 3D Land was uh, actually used it somewhat. It's probably the only game that did. But then, you know, they released 3D World. It's the exact same type of game, but without the 3D, and it was fine. Like, it didn't need the 3D. So it's really interesting to just see what this was and what it turned into in terms of, like, you know, they wanted it to basically be DS2. It ended up selling about half of DS's numbers, which is still very good. It still sold 76 million. But, you know, the DS sold 154 million. So it was definitely, like, the Super Nintendo to the NES's or to the DS's NES. But it was interesting to just see over nine years how it morphed, at least from my perspective, because it wasn't like they had a set game plan and stuck to it. They definitely were kind of flying by the seats of their pants, seat of their pants with this one. But I, I like what, what were some of your guys' um, – like do you have any favorite games of the 3DS or any like memories or any things you liked that you wish maybe they did keep alive? Like 3D maybe could have panned out into something better or AR could become something bigger or – um, do you have any thoughts on it, Kevin? First, I do have some, but thoughts, thoughts on the console itself? No, it was it was a it was a great or games to the DS uh, or the games anything game, really. Fire Emblem Awakening. I played mm. a bunch of Fire Emblem Awakening for sure. Uh, then possibly after that, Mario Kart Seven. Mario Kart Seven is a good Mario Kart. It's not the best. It's not the worst. Yeah. 
but uh I'd say it was the best at its time. Eight surpassed it, but seven I think I liked more than the others. Right, right. Yeah. Right off the gate, I love that um, the 3DS had Street Fighter 4 because that was around oh, the time yeah. where I didn't have a way to play it. Like, I did try, I bought the version for PC slash Mac, and I pretty much had to run it with everything at the minimum setting. So there were no textures, there were no backgrounds, everything was as bare bones as possible and moved in slow motion. So, having this on the 3DS and at the time having it be the most updated version of the game. It was pretty amazing. Even the box looked nice. It, it it felt like a very premium product, and it played really well. And it was really really fun. I had so much fun with that game. But that was like kind of I guess what sold me in the beginning. And eventually, you know, I because of the 3DS, I will have to thank it for giving me the chance to finally see what all the hubbub was about with Star Fox 64 3D, and then just kind of. You know, playing it without any nostalgia whatsoever, and then just kind of going, yeah, this game isn't as great as people make it seem. And that's, yeah, that's kind of like where that game ended. It was just, um, I mean, it's a fun, simple arcade shooter, but I, I don't know. I, I think, um, especially with this game in particular, I feel like people, their nostalgia for this game is so, like, I don't know, it's like it was like at 110 for anyone that, I guess grew up with Star Fox sixty four. What like, what's the verbal version of subtweeting someone? Because I feel like you're doing that to me right now. <laughs> being passive aggressive. Like what's the? Maybe I feel like he's like he's saying people, but I think he's saying me because he knows no, how I feel. Because it's literally everyone. It's not, okay. If anything, okay. I don't I don't even think I hear you defended as much as I feel the other people. Although we did have a actual discussion about it on our alpha version of the podcast it it no it, and we did eventually with kevin the very first time kevin was on the show was our episode talking points and star fox was one of the points hey, it was one of the debate topics so oh, yeah but i mean say what you will about the game i mean i did enjoy playing it but yeah i i didn't think of it as as great as it was for other people but anyway that's not the point but i guess as far as it's like i don't just like some of my favorite games on the 3ds there were just so many like we had two what I thought was really, really great core Ace Attorney games. Um, unfortunately, they were digital only, but, you know, like, I still got to experience them on the 3DS. The animations were great. It was this jump to 3D, and it just handled it really, really well within the in-game animations and the animations done by Bone, the people that do the animation for Mouth Cycle 100, I believe. Ooh. So, you know, it was a good studio to, to handle it. They always look... It, it pretty much looked like if they made an Ace Attorney anime film, that's what it would look like. Um... The anime, the actual anime is based on, it's made by A1 Studio, which does Your Lion April. So you'd think it'd be amazing, but I don't know. You could tell that's, that's not where the A-team was when <laughs> they were animating it. Mm -hmm. um, it it's fine. I, I might revisit that anime, but I definitely ignored it for a long time because the quality just felt very cheap compared to others. But yeah, I mean, 3DS is where I played Tales of Abyss. A really awesome Tales game, and it was just crazy playing a full-on Tales game on the Switch. I mean, on the 3DS. As I've already mentioned, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate was the next Monster Hunter that I played to death, and it was on the 3DS. So the fact that I played it on a normal 3DS, for that matter, while oh my brother played it on a new 3DS, like it was crazy just seeing the difference in quality between the two. But you know, it was awesome. It didn't feel like it had any compromises, which you know, like if that's the case, I feel 
super confident about any Monster Hunter game on the Switch. Obviously, you had Smash Brothers, yeah, which, Smash 4. you know, the fact that Smash was on the 3DS and the fact that it was exclusive to it's the 3DS crazy. for a few months before the Wii U came, version came out, like, it was just really fun. It was just fun that everyone was playing it, even if the controls weren't that great on the 3DS, we made it work. I mean, it almost got to the point where a few months into the Wii U version, we were so perfectly fine playing with the 3DS as a controller because sometimes there weren't enough controllers to go around and we would still do fine because we were just that used to it. But, and and to this day, like, Smash 3DS still has one of the best modes, I feel, Smash Run. That mode, I feel, just had, like, one iteration away from being perfect, which was actually having the other players you're playing against on the map you're running around in a Smash Run, but... I do wish they brought that to Ultimate. It seems like such a missed opportunity. Even as DLC now, like... Yeah, but that's just a relic of the past. That mode would have been really fun. That's like a mode I would have mm-hmm. legitimately put time into if it was still there. Mario Power 10, Mario Tennis Open, I surprisingly played a ton, which was really, really fun. I think it was the first Mario Tennis that got me back into it, especially after Mario Ultra Smash, which, you know, as everyone knows, Nintendo barely put any thought into it. Also, oh, like, that reminds me, Mario Golf World Tour. I love that game. Oh, yes, actually, yeah, that yes. was also really good yeah, on the 3DS. That was really good. Yeah. And then there was Rhythm Thief, which just came out of nowhere and was a nice surprise for me. Because it was like, it was by Sega. It was kind of a mix of like the presentation of Professor Layton with, you know, it's a puzzle game with a very, I guess, um, very story driven. But it was all rhythm games and they all run from games you would see in Elite Beat Agents, games you would see in Rhythm Heaven and other more unique kind of games. So... It was really fun, and I'm really glad that came out. I even did like wrote a whole article around it back in the early days of Random Nintendo. And it came out the same month or within a month of Theater Rhythm, the Final Fantasy Rhythm game. And it was it was weird because that whole summer was just like rhythm games on the 3DS. Like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. there wasn't a ton yet. So it's funny that like two of the biggest games I know of the summer Elite Beat Agent sequel on the 3DS, which is unfortunate. But as Jason said, we did get Rhythm Thief, which... Why well, doesn't quite fill in the gap? I mean, between that and Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix, oh man, Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix, like, just so good. But you know, we also had our Animal Crossing, which I feel mm-hmm. like the Relief. handheld ones. Like, after we played the heck out of World City Folk, barely got any game, barely got touched. But then New Leaf came out, and my brother and I and a friend, um, we played that game a lot. It was really fun, just visiting each other's islands. Like, this was definitely what... I, I've i definitely played New Leaf more than uh, whatever this new one is called. New Horizon so far. But I'm sure oh, New Horizon will get there eventually. I think it's just... I'm just busier now. I mean, that's just, I, feel I, like I feel new, like it's like the main difference. I feel like New Leaf... Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like New Leaf was like the watershed game. When Animal Crossing went from being like kind of this niche thing to like a mainstream thing, obviously New yeah. Horizons took it to New Horizons, huh? But no, yeah. like I really do think like it, it, it was its um, when they brought it, in it, Isabel, awakening, like, it felt like yeah, and then Isabel becoming like a mascot. No pun intended. I, I was that. comparing it to um, Fire Emblem Awakening, not it was Fire Emblem's oh. Awakening. I mean, Animal <laughs> yeah, Crossing's Awakening that too. That too, though, because Fire Emblem was going to be a dead franchise in the West if Awakening didn't take off, and the 3DS crowd kept Fire Emblem alive and made it into what it is today. Yeah. And finally, I guess like if it wasn't, um, I, I guess it wasn't obvious because I didn't say so. But I've pretty much just been running to I guess like my my top ten like your 3DS most played, games. yep, yeah, my most played. 
But um, yeah, Sun and Moon, surprisingly, I did play that one a lot. But Pokemon X, I feel, was like my... After Ruby... No, after Diamond, because Diamond was the one that got me into the Pokemon franchise. Like, at, at least, yeah, on the game side, as competitive as I was at the time. Then I took a long hiatus until Pokemon X, and that one got me back into it full force. And I remember the, my brother and I played the heck out of that game. It was, it was definitely my peak competitiveness, and I don't think any has matched that. Like, I kind of got into it in... Actually, I barely played Ruby and Sapphire, Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. I transferred my Pokemon to Sun and Moon, so they're all in there, my Pokemon from Pokemon X, but I haven't really played it, and I haven't even bought in Sword and Shield yet. So, I don't know. I honestly don't even know what's going to happen at this point. Like, I am not any more compelled to get the DLC. Maybe I'll just wait till the next generation at this point, but... I don't know. I think I'd be okay letting Pokemon rest where it is now. Unless, um, you know, they bring back Chatot. That would change everything, but yeah. <laughs> oh, Maybe and... we'll do, like, the, 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 the fatigue break that you went through with Monster Hunter. It's Pokemon's turn. Yeah, I, I think this time I just needed a longer break. Before it was just one generation, maybe it just it's still too soon. Yeah. Also, you know, time. Because we only of have course. so much time in this world. Time, time is fine, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um... But, but then finally, like, the last two games that just, like, really surprised me in a really positive way um first definitely resident evil revelations like that mm-hmm. game sing- single-handedly brought me onto the resident evil franchise because before that i had barely touched them or even cared about them um i just knew about them because you know i love capcom but i didn't really play many resident evil games of any by then but then i played revelations and i didn't realize it was going to be like a fully fledged like Resident Evil game like on the 3DS like it could have easily been a console game and it was eventually but yeah. it just worked so well with the 3D the campaign was lengthy it was actually scary um it's like it pretty much did for Resident Evil what Resident Evil 2 did the remake did for I guess after the part 5 and part 6 or yeah I guess even you could say Resident Evil 7 like it was so that it game for, that, it did for Resident Evil what, what Resident Evil did for Resident Evil yeah, later on. Like it, it was, <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. It, just, it was the first game in the franchise after a long time that people were like, go back to your roots, it make it feel yep. like an actual Resident Evil game. And the multiplayer, like the, the challenge mode, I played through that with a friend and we did it on the hardest difficulty. And it was so hard, but extremely fun to run through it with someone else after you beat the game. Because mm-hmm. Resident Evil games are they're scary and stressful the first playthrough, but then you start wanting to do faster playthroughs. Like, the games are somehow designed so that they're they're still just as fun, if not very fun, or even more fun in different ways to go through mo- multiple times. And, like, the very, very last level, like, of the challenge mode, because it's after way after you beat the game multiple times, like, is to essentially run through the entirety of the full game in one go. Like, nonstop, back-to-back. It just, they essentially cut out all the cutscenes, remixed all the enemies some in many cases added way more and added bosses to areas that didn't used to have bosses or just multiple instances of that boss in the same area but you do it with a friend and i mean it's hectic it's stressful it's chaotic it's fun and then at the end you fight like two of the final bosses at the same time which is nuts but yeah thanks to resident evil that game definitely got me as big a fan that i am now to the point that i even considered buying a 
I think like almost $200 Leon 1-6 scale figure. The same size as like a Kratos, which I still might get. But <laughs> I think we need to let space and I'm like in the middle of like reorganizing and restructuring some of the my working space in and out of the house. So we'll see where that goes. But yeah, definitely the the final game that definitely impacted my gaming career tremendously was um the announcement of Layden versus Phoenix on the 3DS. That game, like that that game alone, like introduced me to the Professor Layden franchise because I had already loved Ace Attorney, but having a crossover with that one and then thinking like, well, this game is, I think it came out like almost two years after it got announced in the U.S. because there was like a whole song and dance of its delays and whatever. But because of that, I had enough time to play through two of the two and a half of the Layden games. And I fell in love with those games. Like, they were really fun. They were very similar to Ace Attorney, which is why I feel they made a nice pairing. And when I eventually got around to beating this game, like, it was as great as I was hoping it would be. Like, the pairing of the two games was awesome. Like, you would sometimes switch through Layton-style gameplay and Phoenix-style gameplay. And you would even go through... Phoenix style gameplay as Layton or Layton style gameplay as Phoenix. So you get to hear and listen to, I guess, their interactions. They would switch partners a lot of the time. Because, you know, it's one of those games that you get a lot out of it if you're already invested in the universe. So you, it's about the interactions and how the characters react to those situations. And the mystery was really well done. Like, everything about the game is just awesome and it feels like a miracle that it even got made. So, yeah, 3DS, definitely a very important system in in our short time you know that we could experience you know games in this universe. You know, what's, <laughs> you know what's really interesting, though, is if you if you marry what I was saying about how the 3DS kind of went through multiple identities with the lineup of games you just mentioned, I think the lasting legacy of the 3DS is really it had an incredibly robust lineup of games for pretty much any type of game. Like, it started with the kind of more, like, stuff that traditionally would have been on, let's say, the PSP, and then it got into some other stuff. And, you know, all the big dogs were there, the multiple Zeldas. Like, I love A Link Between Worlds, one of my favorite games on 3DS. The multiple Marios, Luigi's Mansion, Mario Kart, multiple Kirby's, multiple Fire Emblems. But I think one of the cool things was, like, there was also this experimental side on 3DS. Like, there was, you know, stuff like Rhythm Thief from Sega, but also, like, within Nintendo, you had Kid Icarus Uprising in that wacky stand... Uh, which, you know, for Nintendo, that's more like, all right, Sakurai, run wild. That was Sakurai's Death Stranding. Just like, do whatever you want. We'll support it however you need it. Just go. And then, like, all the little stuff they did, like on the eShop, you know, games like Pocket Card Jockey or the Pushmo series or Rusty's Real Deal Baseball, oh, where you actually so had to, yeah. like, haggle real money in a game or, like, Tamodachi Life and the idea of how your Mii's all, like, interact with one another. And then the one I really want to highlight, Street Pass. I would say, looking back, that Street Pass is probably my single favorite feature of the D- of the 3DS. I think the concept of you have it in your pocket, you're going places, the games you're playing can exchange items or Miis or other things with other players and what they're playing, and you kind of build community in a physical sense, but it also has kind of like a – it's like a physical thing, but it's also kind of online where it's like somewhat anonymous. Like I thought that was a really interesting idea. I thought um, – it's really fun to get new puzzle pieces and meet Miis and go to Nintendo's booths at events and have like the gold pants Miyamoto me or that sort of thing or um, you know get new things in your game, get special puzzles, get special puzzle pieces. It just felt like this very – like it made the 3DS this kind of communal thing even though 
you know, it wasn't necessarily communal in the real sense. It's not like everyone knew everyone, but you had, you know, thousands of Mies on your system. You had little games that came out later that had the Mies do different things. Like, oh, you street pass with someone cool. They, they'll fight this RPG battle for you. They'll, you know, help you like build this robot or like whatever the things were, or, like or maintain this house. I remember all of them, but like they ended up having a lot of those games. And I think that sort of stuff combined with all the big games they had, like it was a very good lineup of games on the 3ds and if you just look at our podcast because we started six months seven months after the 3ds launch and we went the entire life of it if you just go any given episode in those nine years there's probably an interesting 3ds game talked about there up until you know the switch really took over in the last year or two here but like it was for a long time the 3ds always had something going on it could be a major release it could be a minor release it could just be a new street pass puzzle but there was like that system had a lot of good games and a lot of crazy experimental things and a lot of very mainstream things and a lot, you know, like Majora's Mask 3D, okay. But, like, you know, it was all on a single device, which is kind of crazy to think about. Mm. So I, I thought, like, looking back, it's probably one of the most robust, um, diversified collection of good games on a single nintendo platform like the wii had a ton and there are very good games there but there's a lot of third-party shovelware the ds had a ton but like you know my baby isn't something that you're gonna remember the ds for having where you raise a small child but like the 3ds i'd say the vast majority of the games on it were good or interesting or worth at least having a discussion about and then you know coupling that with things like street pass where it really brought the 3ds community together i i thought it was a really cool system for that even if it did have an identity crisis for pretty much half of its life before it finally locked in on just being the Nintendo handheld. But yeah, that that's my sort of takeaway with the 3DS is it was, it went on a weird path, but it resulted in probably the best selection of games that Nintendo platforms had in a while. So hmm. yeah, I don't know how you guys feel about like that versus other systems, but I, I was very happy with the lineup looking back at it all these years. I didn't play no, much of it. Sounds like we found a very positive line, but yeah, I I didn't play much of it, but it was a it was a solid console, a solid handheld. Mm. I wish they did Street Pass on Switch. I wish <laughs> like they did it seems Picto like such Chat a weird miss. They what? I wish they did Picto Chat on Switch. <laughs> no, I know. If you have... think about it, Picto it's Chat was so sure. ahead of its time. Nintendo's very ahead of its time with a lot of stuff. Picto Chat was just you know group chat before group chat blew up. Uh all the augmented reality stuff on the 3ds launch like that's what apple's now trying to sell with the new iphones that will you know when like the iphone 12 is announced with this lidar sensor for better augmented reality like think about face rares and think about how pokemon go blew up five years later like they 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 kind of hit the trends a little ahead of the curve but because of that they're not quite fully developed yet they're not matured enough yet to really work but they had it all there it was all on the 3ds yeah uh, on the 3ds so RIP Nintendo 3DS, Nintendo 3DS XL, well, new Nintendo 3DS, words, new Nintendo so 3DS XL. Oh, I'm sorry. Damn it. You'll you'll come up with something. Uh, but yeah, there was a lot of them. Um, the first one still is an ugly design, kind of with the cake layout, but the better they got better. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I guess unless you guys did anything else, that pretty much does it for this episode. I guess that's all I. Have, unfortunately, I mean, we only have. I, so I much am time. really sorry that I don't have. It's okay. Time. It's okay. We only have so much time in this world, so maybe it's good that we stop here. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Might as well use the rest of the day for other things because, yeah, so... as you said, we don't have. We're not long. We're not here for long. So, 
we're not. So with that in mind, for people who want to continue to listen to us with their valuable time that they have left on this earth. Yeah, um, I, we really appreciate that. I mean, we only have do. It, so it's much time meaningful. in the world and you chose to spend two of those hours listening to us about weekly how much time now. we have left in this world. Um, weekly. Weekly now, too. Yeah. Because we have our next uh, quarantine. I don't remind them about show. that weekly. Oh, you mean what? Yeah. No, we have. They're doing it now weekly for us. Yeah, but because we have the next quarantine gloom. chronicles, which is our non-Nintendo show, the non-Nintendo stuff uh, on October fourth, which is next Sunday, and then our next episode of normal oh. round Nintendo is October eleventh, which will include among other things, presumably our takes on Super Mario Bros. Uh, Thirty-five, because that comes out before then. So uh, yeah, so we appreciate in light of how much how little your time is on this planet uh but to make sure that you maximize hearing our show without wasting your time you can subscribe to us on every podcast app so you don't have to go look for us it'll come to you we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify pandora TuneIn, stitcher uh, iHeartRadio, um you name it and we're also on youtube randomnintendo.com you can follow us on twitter at ram nintendo another way to not spend your time looking for us when we can come to you and uh, we're also individually on Twitter. I'm JSR7, Angels Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. And um, yeah, I guess that pretty much does it. Kevin, final word? Uh, I found an Arc System Works uh, like generator uh, for the you, – you guys know how Arc System – have you guys ever played an Arc System Works game? I want to like pretty sure I have. Uh, I just don't know. It's like at the beginning of each round – the it's like always some weird text like the wheel of fate is turning and then it's like <laughs> fight uh i found yeah a generator that does that so let me just press start on this and see the final word is i'm not reading that one uh can't escape <laughs> from crossing michigan so imagine a, a fighting voice can't escape from crossing michigan fight <laughs>